0: Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron, And today we are doing our season seven, or sorry. Whoa! I've got too many documents open. Season one wrap up for
1: Westworld. You didn't know it was going seven seasons. Nolan and Joy had two more seasons. I didn't see that coming. It's actually the year 2027. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm an AI. Westworld has become superfluous because there is actual AI uh, roaming the world.
0: Yeah, we're we'll doing our season one wrap up. So we're gonna kinda talk about what we our, our thoughts on the season. Uh maybe do a little a little guessing game about where this is going next. Uh, I don't know how much reading you did with articles and interviews and whatnot with the with Joy and Nolan, but I read my fair share. And All it right. Looks, it looks like they have some fairly firm ideas for season two okay. already.
1: Well I let's... not for the
0: overarching thing, but just sort of where where we're going to pick
1: up. Let's talk about that because I've got a lot, you know, obviously I got a lot of feedback, but if you've got some things you want to talk about season two, well, let's headline that. Okay. Um. So apparently
0: in an interview that Nolan did, he was talking about a little about season two and how it's going to start off. And he said, we're going to go kind of explain a little bit more about the guest experience. And I don't know if they plan on season two being, you know, how season one was kind of a, a look at the host experience right. in the park. Now we might go and look at the guest experiences. Is what I'm. Do you I'm think that'll be as an extrapolating extreme
1: as like The Wire, where it's like you know season know. two you came back and it's like it's all the dock workers. Wow, right. okay, I guess this is what they're gonna do. Maybe uh,
0: he does say that's gonna happen before the mayhem starts. Hmm. So there will be some mayhem. We will get to see the aftermath of of Ford's plan here. That would be interesting. I just don't know when because I think
1: a lot of people. A lot of people ask in feedback, like, what are general thoughts for, like, the next play? Like, you know, are the robots doomed? What, uh, I think what's going to happen is that the robots are going to essentially take over Westworld. Bernard's yeah. going to be the new leader. The board is going to be completely replaced with bots. Um, and they're going to run Westworld as normal and mm-hmm. and and try to start funneling robots to the outside, I, I'm guessing. Um, so, I think it would be kind of effective in season two to just show it from the human's perspective. So, we'll see some things that are kind of off kilter and weird. Right. And, and we'll know what's going on, but the, the guests will be kind of oblivious to it, to the growing danger. And then, mm-hmm. you know, when the quote unquote mayhem starts. Um, or, I wonder if it'll be interesting to see them actually roll the clock back to where, while all this shit was going on, with Dolores and Maeve, and we kind of concentrated, like some of these jackasses that we just saw in the periphery. You know, doing random stuff of we'll like have a few episodes where we see them, you know, essentially it goes back like two weeks to show from the guest perspective what Westworld was like as it was descending into this chaos.
0: Right. Yeah, we could definitely do that. Um, but, I think.
1: But the robots have to stay undercover or they'll be wiped out is my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about this last episode.
0: There's there's nothing they can do to compete with the weapons that humanity already has, right, at its disposal. Um, they might be smarter
1: so, and stronger, but we have fucking tanks and shit. So. Yeah,
0: and thousands of years of history on them. Like right. we have the head start. So good luck beating us. Uh, but yeah, what they what they probably need to do is the slow creep toward taking over the world. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how that's going to come about, and and we talked about how tricky of a line it is to walk with replacing humans with hosts in the real world where they have to interact with other human beings and they need to have the memories and right. and mannerisms of these people it, it would be a very tough thing
1: and you can but, maybe shortcut that a little bit in the beginning like I mentioned like if ever all the board members just came home and just decided they were going to either commit suicide like a couple of them commit suicide a couple of them get estranged from their family suddenly how do you decide Some which of ones them, you program
0: to commit suicide?
1: Narratives <laughs> There it is. Yeah, You're just, just like well, this guy Bernard sits down and decides he, this guy had a got, particular
0: tick that yeah. I, I just can't get it I can't duplicate it. This guy looks it, like, so like he's going to have a heroin
1: overdose. This guy looks like he's <laughs> th- th- this this woman looks like she's just going to check out on her family. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know, but I feel like that's a way they could go. But and then so there's a lot of dramatic possibilities as well as having like these robots getting into the world and like oh who's a robot and who's a human?
0: Any investigative reporter. Worth his salt. Yeah. We'll figure that
1: out. You think so? Like,
0: but there's such a, a big event notion. where all of these people go to Westworld. They all return, and all of them either kill themselves or divorce their families. Like, hmm. there would be a paper trail here that something weird is happening. Yeah, I'd... and you'd have to go investigate.
1: So that's another thing is like we don't know how the outside works like you know what's the economy look like what is the you know what what's job situation what's the foreign you know policy situation with the United States assuming that Westworld is a US company if Mm -hmm. the United States is still around. Um, But like I said there's a lot of interesting dramatic possibilities with the paranoia of like who's a robot who's a human but also there's a lot of tropey shit too. like oh sure. You know, if anyone can be a human or a you know host, and that kind of quickly can make can can fit, fatigue an audience. So yeah. I have faith that these people have thought all that stuff through, and they can tell some satisfied narratives around there. But I guess those are the areas of concern.
0: I suppose the other way that we could get sort of the the experience of the guest, like he's talking about, is if we went to another park maybe um we don't we don't know if there are more than these i i speculate that there's only one because ford has supreme control over the information and i don't know that, that would be the case if there were more than one park
1: yeah my my read on this we have some feedback on this but we can just serve up some dry pie which is uh, a game of thrones term for emails that we get that i wrote down to talk about but we ended up organically talking about Yes. Yeah. It's, it's 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 hard to explain if you've seen game of thrones you haven't <laughs> Um, But, yeah, my take on Samurai World, or Shogun World, if you prefer, mm-hmm. is that that is like something they're beta testing. I think I agree, yeah. Because I don't think Robert Ford would let – I mean, it's canon that he hasn't let this technology escape the confines of this park. Now, maybe there is a section right. of Westworld carved out that's the Shogun World, but I don't know. I think this is one of the things that he saw coming down the pike. And he saw the writing on the wall and why he stepped up his plans for the robots to become conscious because he saw that he was being ousted and squeezed out and they were having these new narratives and new stories that he had no connection to. Right. I don't have any evidence, but that's just my gut feeling.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that feels right to me. And we do know that HBO has since – uh, registered exploresamuraiworld.com and explore shogunworld.com. Discover, ShogunWorld. is it discover or explore, or both. I think it's explore. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if they got both, but for sure they got explore. Okay. Uh, on both of those. So I don't know if this is them covering their bases and just trying to snatch up domains before anyone else does, or if this is like right. planning for the future seasons. Right.
1: That's another way they could have a pure guest experience by right. taking us to Samurai World, exactly. where none of this has happened yet, but then maybe seeing it spread. yeah. Or they could cut their time back and forth between the two. I don't mm-hmm. know how interesting that is, but... I don't know either. It's something they have at their fingertips now.
0: Is there any anything interesting to be had in the idea that the robots... It, so... The 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 hosts are clearly on the rampage. There are two outcomes here: either the humans find out about it, or they don't, and the park gets uh, continues to operate or gets shut down. Right? Yeah. If the park gets shut down, is there any interesting story there?
1: Uh, the like what to do? The with diaspora the, of are any host able to get out before it's shut down? Or mm-hmm. any are any of them able to escape? Uh, into the wild and then what do they do because right can they procreate i assume
0: i i don't know if any of them have the knowledge necessary to stick their but penises and
1: vaginas and
0: oh oh <laughs> uh can they procreate like I, well i mean they're bi- a biological they've made way. it they've okay. m- seen
1: i mean I, of course you could uh, since they're making these they're 3d printing these things they could mm-hmm. literally just omit the ovaries or the testes sure, or yeah. like there's a lot of things they could do just to make them infertile but
0: we know life finds a
1: way life finds a day that you teddy's gonna fuck a frog yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to get the DNA mixed up, and then he's going to turn into yeah. a woman and have sex with a frog version of himself, and there you go. <laughs> but but no, I mean, I guess maybe that's uh, yeah. I mean, how can they procreate either traditionally or like you nuts and bolts kind of way? Because yeah. that's the biggest challenge is to to remain hidden and also to grow and evolve and, and expand as a species. They'd have to be able to reproduce. So right. yeah, I mean, I, I think that's like a, would be a super interesting plot line. Yeah, I mean the other way. And it, they it's can weird. It's kind of is... like I know you were big into what was that? Falling Skies. Mm-hmm. But, You know, it's like there's always been these stories of like humans being the resistance against this large alien threat. Like right. humans would kind of be that threat, and the robots would mm-hmm. be the rebel in society trying to find human sympathizers right. and, and evade detection by the powers of B. Like, I mean, that could go pretty tropey, pretty quick too. But it could. Yeah, I could. I could be down for a few seasons of that.
0: Yeah, I'm interested. I'm really curious where they go with this after the rebellion uh, in the park.
1: Yeah, uh, that's about all i all I want to speculate on season two. There was an- another interview I read where Jonathan Nolan said that someone asked him, "Is Anthony F- uh, Hopkins dead?" and he said, "This version of Doctor Ford is is done." That I so. How many years are they going to bring him back? I don't... I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't... To me, I I fully expect some form of Dr. Ford to re- make a return. So you think it's greater than zero? Like,
0: the number of years, seasons they're going to bring Ford back for?
1: I mean... I well, I think... Like, is Art... Like, to the extent... What I mean by that is to the extent that um, Bernard is Arnold. Like, uh-huh. there might be a robot that... Uh, Anthony that that doesn't look anything like Anthony Hopkins, or maybe it does. Oh. They've got this ability to make a CGI Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, there, there's technology that's existing right now where you can take a few hours of person's dialogue and eventually and make them say whatever they want in their inflection and all that stuff. That's that uh right. Adobe Photoshop okay. for for voice kind of program. So yeah. they could do that. And also it would be interesting to the extent that Bernard was this uh s- simulation of of uh, Arnold and that Ford taught him to do that mm-hmm. like what would it be like if you built a version of you and then taught that version to be you it mm-hmm. wouldn't be the same as you but it'd be much it'd be as close as you could get right sure like this is how you act and this is how you think and this is like like and you spent like 15 years crafting that kind of experience yeah It'd be a way to keep the character of Dr. Ford alive without keeping Anthony Hopkins alive. And also the fact that, like, it's not exactly Dr. Ford, so they could play with his character in interesting ways, too. Sure. Okay. But the fact that he said this version, I'm like, okay, well, Jesus, that means... Well, I mean... He's keeping, he, his, he's keeping the door open, if nothing else.
0: Certainly. Certainly. And maybe he's even just speaking of flashbacks. That's a possibility. I mean... This version, are are they going to CG him to show him as young again? That's sure. a different version, I guess, of Ford. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There are a lot of ways to interpret that, certainly. But it sounds like in some capacity we're going to see Ford in the future.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, this early, I would be disappointed if they would absolutely say yes or no on anything. Right. Because they've got uh, at least a year and a half before this thing's going to see it the light of day. Yep. So um, I would be disappointed if they were making a bunch of categorical statements about oh you can, you can expect this and you can't expect this and blah blah blah. So <laughs> right. Uh, shall we get the feedback? No, I have a lot of other things I oh, want to shit. talk about. Okay, sorry, I'm going to thought...
0: stomp all over these <laughs> these emails. <laughs> stomp them the pieces. Just clog through them. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about consciousness and and AI. Okay. Because obviously that's one of the central <laughs> questions of this show. What what do you think the show had to say about AI and consciousness? Because, in my opinion, it was it sort of had an inevitability to it Mm -hmm. in this in this uh, season. Yep. And I'm wondering if that was what they were trying to say with AI and consciousness, that even though we may try to limit it, and even though we may try to control it, it's just not possible. I and think that any sufficiently complex human like AI is going to develop consciousness at some point.
1: It's certainly a risk. Yeah. Like you can't, like you, w- what'd you say when we were, we, we about an hour ago before we were doing some pre show talking and oh, you yeah. said?
0: Uh, I, I was wondering if you could devise an artificial intelligence that wouldn't gain consciousness.
1: Like that's one of the that it's you could guarantee wouldn't. So that's one of its, like, you know, f- your, your design goals, for example. Design goal is to have... Artificial intelligence does not attain uh, any kind of human-like consciousness. And, and
0: I don't mean, like, a a car assembly robot. Right. What I'm talking about is human-level human, uh, human level AI. Something, so, something that could be on par with humans Okay, for, it for could be different,
1: but its capabilities as far as, you know, complex thoughts and, right. in, you know, initiative and all that would be roughly on par with ours. And I yeah. said... That seems like something that's in the realm of gambling, because, you know, life biologically did not intend to create consciousness, but yet here we are. So Mm -hmm. also it's it's we're at this weird we're at this weird point in our technological and, and medical development where. I think where we're at the, at our fingertips is the ability to create that AI that you speak of, mm-hmm. but we don't understand our own brain processes enough to be absolutely categorical about. Oh, we got to look at this pattern and this and that, and you know, it's not like you can just throw some kind of uh, a stop point that says, you know, if consciousness detected, then you know, <laughs> right? throw an error <laughs> on the it's stack. It's Boolean. Consciousness, it up. one or zero. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what. Since we don't know why we are conscious and what mm-hmm. parts make us conscious and how that emerged i it would be very hard to say as a design goal to not do that thing right you know right. like how are you how are you going to guarantee that so and that's why yeah. a lot of really smart people are excited slash terrified of the prospect of AI because it is in a lot of cases toddlers playing in a nitroglycerin factory, sure, so yeah. I mean, yes, they could do great things. Great things. They could build the Hoover Dam, and they could uh, blast tops off of mountains, and they could explore through space, and, but they can also just blow themselves up. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So what does the show say Defend. I don't think that, – that's the thing is I don't know the, – the show had a lot of opinions about artificial intelligence and consciousness. Right. The one that was last articulated that maybe seems to hold the most weight was what Ford said, which is suffering – or consciousness requires suffering. Sure. But that was – Number 1, I think that in the seasons ahead we're going to understand that he was right about a lot of things, but he's also wrong about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that some of his concepts of of consciousness are going to be proven to be wrong. So like I don't just because he is a smart guy and he's the it's the last thing we heard, I don't think that's the final word on it. What uh, Yeah, I agree. Uh but as far as it being inevitable and like it's a oh, an evolutionary process is beyond our control, I guess I'm kind of sympathetic to that view.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I'm looking for season one to kind of establish a voice for the show as far as consciousness and AI and then play with the ideas that that brings up, um, as opposed to this being some ongoing five season discussion about, uh, you know, the nature of consciousness. Right. Like, I guess I'm I'm looking for a little bit more of like a black mirror type of thing uh, in in the later seasons here.
1: Yeah, so um, one of the first emails I had is this Ken T from Boston where he talks about a, a great deal about consciousness, which we might not be ready to talk about now. But he, he's of the opinion that in season one or in season two, they they're, they're going to shift away from discussion of consciousness and it's going to move towards what is free will. Okay, because I think that's that. Actually, why we're still kind of—I mean, it would, it'd be an interesting thing for the show to do. Why we're still re- wrestling with the concept of, of of consciousness? They throw another philosophical bomb, and like, mm-hmm. what is the nature of free will? Because that's something you can debate, sure, uh, quite a bit nowadays uh, as well. And that's—I think—they're playing with that idea with you know him saying that Arnold forced you to do this, and I'm letting you do your own free choice. But mm-hmm. if our choices are just the product of the information we have at our fingertips. And he gave her false information, which I think he did, you know, he, he, he led her to believe that he was evil, Mm -hmm. um, as a representative of of mankind. Then she made the decision to murder someone that was essentially innocent. And she probably wouldn't have done that if she'd known. So did she have free will when someone, you know, right.
0: And we talked about this last episode and I don't agree with that necessarily. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it would be an interesting thing for the show to discuss. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and certainly kind of a natural progression from consciousness, right? Because right. they're they're in a lot of ways intertwined with each other.
1: And eventually the show will have to come up with a thesis on consciousness or else – I mean, you can't be like, oh, you know, I don't know what consciousness is. you know, five seasons in with robots that are clearly conscious. Right. Like, I mean, it, it does seem up. like
0: the show – was giving a, p- a pretty definitive answer on that, right? The choice, the, the ability to make your own choices. Yeah. That is the nature of consciousness, I guess, according to the show. Okay. I mean, that's what it all culminated in. So unless they they kind of open another door next season and say, well, we said this one one thing about a particular aspect of consciousness, and now we're going to delve further into it. Right. Then...
1: Well, they pl- could also go the, the, the other way, and you know, instead of granting the robot's consciousness, you know, cast doubt on how conscious human beings are. Mm-hmm. They could do some philosophical mind fucks where that, because you know, that's like that's. I, mean, I reject all that stuff as just essentially, you know, philosophical daydreaming. But like, you know, you could probably make an argument for how conscious is the average person. Like, you sure. come up with arbitrary rules of what consciousness means and then go grab average Joe or Jane off the street and ask, are they conscious? You know, they're right. stuck. in mean, we we've talked about this as well. So there's also room for them to kind of go and run the ball backwards a bit and, and attack, like, you know, what does it mean to be conscious and what does it mean to be present and, and, and alive and in and control of your destiny uh, f- from that direction, too. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, like, I like all that stuff.
0: Yeah, me, too. Uh one other thing I noticed. I think at this moment when we when we leave season one, I think Lee is actually the safest human in the park. Hmm. Because he's, he's in cold storage. Right. He's he's hidden deep underground. There are no hosts around. Yeah. They're all out just rampaging through the board. Right. I feel like Lee might be safe for next season, and I really hope he is because man, he's a fun character.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting why would they need to keep lee around i don't know they wouldn't uh, if they want but but if, if it's like if one of the things i'm speculating which is the robots need to stay deep undercover mm-hmm. do you let robots write the plots or do you keep it status quo like you know they also the robots are they going to have this are they going to have this kind of pragmatic look on their own species and nature like okay there are exist a subset of these robots who are consciousness
0: mm-hmm. are
1: conscious and there's a, a a much greater venn diagram circling around the, the robots that can attain consciousness and haven't yet or maybe they'll think that everyone can attain consciousness what is the morality of allowing these robots to be raped pillaged and plundered Mm-hmm. Uh, with these, you know, human centric storylines, if they believe that, and will there be different factions where some are like, "Look, we're conscious. This other, this other fucker isn't. Yeah, like Teddy ain't ready yet. So sorry, but Teddy's got to keep doing what he's doing. Yeah. Um. If so, so if if some of them are more pragmatic, maybe um, it's easier to have a human to, to essentially have a human enslaved to do your writing for you than than to come up for the stories yourself. Right. Also, what would... And, and it
0: would fit in nicely with Ford's idea that, you know, robot consciousness is no different than human consciousness. And, you know, he hopes that the the robots will be better. He's going to give them a chance to be better than humans. But right. they don't necessarily have to be. Plus, these and robots... And they probably won't be.
1: These robots are programmed with an underst- a very limited understanding of what your average person would experience back in the old west right so to have them come and make narratives for you know people in the modern day that would appeal to them maybe they just aren't capable of it so you you, they keep lee around and force them to write stories that would be great an enslaved lee i know that's what i'm saying a perfect character for me (laughs) it's kind of it, it kind of feels right it does so like he thinks that Teresa was a tyrant or what like wait until he's got robotic overlords that he has to satisfy. Right. Mave is sitting that could be tapping amazing. tapping over his shoulder with a scalpel or whatever.
0: Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh I I think I'm good. I had some theorizing I wanted to do on stubs, but I think that'll
1: be done in the emails. Okay. Before we get the feedback, just wanted to make sure everyone knew about our club at club.baldmove.com or support.baldmove.com. Uh, great ways to support us as independent podcasters and get some stuff out in return. For example, get ad-free feeds. Uh, we're going to be doing an exclusive spoiler review of the new Star Wars Rogue One this Thursday night. Some uh, some stuff you can get as a club. Also, we got the uh, Bald Move Badass Christmas Raging we did the first week, Rocky Four live watches and podcasts. Uh, then we did Die Hard. Uh, this week is all about Jingle All the Way, the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic. Next week is a, a mystery movie, and there's a ton of other bonus content coming out all that week for club members. So if you like our coverage of Westworld and want to see it continue uh, and also uh, recognize that we're not going anywhere, we're going to be doing uh, uh, coming up in the late late winter. There's going to be better call. Saul coming back, uh, mm-hmm. walking dead again, uh, in the spring is the leftovers. And then we get in the game of throne season. Like we just never stop all year round, uh, here at bald move. Uh, but if you want to get all the features and have all the bonus content, check out our club at club Thanks. Uh, I want to apologize going forward. Cause I'm gonna have to do a lot of reading and I'm getting, I'm, I have just become aware of it becoming stuffed up. So I apologize. Oh boy. Uh, if I sound weird, uh, Chris T. from Boston. I, I already kind of teased this email, but I, this is really interesting. want to open up with this. want to chime in uh, regarding the pain and suffering requirement as a catalyst towards consciousness. In your last episode, you brought up this thesis, The Key, which Ford recognized that Arnold discovered. Jim said the idea was dark, but I wanted to offer a slightly different reading of it. The basic motif here is in Genesis 1. There are examples in other traditions, but this is one that's probably the most ubiquitous in the West. Are we, are we going for the without evil there can be no good well we shall see okay the garden the birth of man the fall the garden and dolores refers to the world as a garden in her beachfront death scene is eternal it exists beyond time beyond life and death we think of eternity as a really long time but in fact it is no time at all time has no bearing on eternity it's upon eating the fruit the fruits of the tree of knowledge of good and evil the pairs of opposites that man is expelled from this garden and we enter into the realm of time and duality good and evil, life and death, pain and bliss. One reading of this story is to say that Eve did a bad thing and ate an apple, and shame on Eve and that good-for-nothing snake for ruining everything. But there's another reading which says that the fall is necessary to a catalyst to life in the entire history of humanity, or that to be born means that you are to die, that pain and suffering are integral aspects of the life cycle of time and inseparable from joy. It's our inability to see beyond the perceived duality of these things which keeps us outside the garden. To Dolores, the garden is a prison. To live beyond time and beyond consequences is to live without license and autonomy. To free herself, to pave the way for something yet to come, she must become the destroyer, death incarnate, as Wyatt. In becoming death, she is enabling consciousness. She's setting the wheel of time into motion, choosing to become this to accept the very nature of life in all its horror and splendor. Simultaneously, she's killing her god. She's lifting the curtain to reveal the wizard. In the scene where she finally achieves consciousness and hears her own voice, there is an incredibly moving over overdub where Arnold asks her if she knows whose voice she has been hearing. Partway through, this voice merges with Ford's and then with her own. The camera pans out, revealing Dolores looking at herself. Mm-hmm. You may, in fact, look at Arnold and Ford as dual aspects of this one creator of Westworld. Dolores then kills them both. And in killing your god or your idea of co- god, you free yourself. My sense is that Westworld is less a morality play and more of an attempt to articulate the very nature of life or consciousness, whether you ch- whatever you choose to call it. Given the keys of their own kingdom, will all the hosts suddenly become saints or care bears? I don't think so. It will fall on Bernard Arnold and the other awakened hosts to be the conscious of this new era, and they will have some hard choices to make. I do think that if Season 1 is asking what is consciousness, Season 2 is likely to ask what is free will. Mm-hmm. So... When you said, oh, what, how how can you have good without evil, I, I sense some skepticism in your voice. So mm-hmm. I'd like to explore, explore that. Do you think it's true that in absence of evil that you cannot appreciate good or in absence of pain you cannot enjoy pleasure?
0: Yeah. I, I, okay. lar- I largely agree with I that. I thought you
1: were going to shit on that. And I'm like, huh. No, I was just like, oh, I've heard this before. Okay. <laughs> but
0: uh, but I, I do like how she put it there. Right. I, I think it's very eloquently written. Um, And described
1: because I I do think I don't know that suffering is necessary for consciousness, but certainly choices and experiencing the consequences of those choices is necessary, right? Because imagine like if I'm put in a situation where every choice I make leads to something pleasant and good happening to me, Mm -hmm. is that that's not that's not that's that's not real? How would I? you know how if i never got any adversity how would i think of things like like abstract thoughts like man life is really shitting on me now or life is not fair and meditate on you know like like if, if everything in life is going good for you and you never experience any adversity would you ever think the question about the nature of your life and would you have like long monologues with yourself and- i mean
0: i guess it depends on what you define As good, certainly there'd be a spectrum of good, right? Yeah, things can be good and also better than another,
1: also good option. Um, Mm. So, but wouldn't wouldn't it be fun? I mean, but in that universe where you had you had had good, better, best outcomes, uh I think that the good would be bad. Right, good would become evil. Yeah, right. Sure, I get that, and and you know that's ultimately the
0: goal. I think of society is to raise everyone's bad to the point where it's good. And so that good becomes the new bad and best becomes what better used to be. Yeah. Or no, best becomes something we didn't even know existed. Right. A pleasure that's that's so amazing that it bests what was previously best. Sure, sure. And I'm intentionally using confusing language here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I actually think, you know, that, that decision as a sort of dawning of consciousness makes a lot of sense. Um you know, because because in Genesis God creates Adam and Eve, and what choice do they have until the devil presents them with it? And that choice is the one that Eve takes and eats of the apple, and Adam right, also like what, does. What would human and at that just... point they're, they they exhibit free will, and at that point they become conscious, right? And she's yeah. also saying like, you know, she's she's also alluding to time and the mm-hmm. idea that if you live eternally, that time has no meaning, right? Which Sure, I agree with that, too. Um, I, I guess I haven't thought about it enough to kind of articulate my thoughts on time and consciousness yeah. being entangled or or
1: not. Well, it's funny because you can kind of meditate on it from a robot's perspective here because we are humans and we're perceiving the existence of time. And yet Dolores' time resets on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So she's got like a pocket of eternity from her perspective inside our you know it's like a, almost a bubble universe uh-huh um i don't I like i said I, I thought it was pretty interesting because yeah if you think about like the plan for genesis and i've spent a lot of time thinking about this like what was that plan okay everyone's perfect and everyone is singing hosaias to to or hey, hosannas whatever to god every day and everyone agrees that god's great and Okay, you name all the animals, and that's done. And then apparently God didn't plan to have a woman. It was just going to be a singular man because man's the one who's like, hey, what the hell? Yeah, Everybody right. else is boning. What about me? So God creates a woman. Now you be fruitful and become, and fill the earth. So you do that. Then what? Do you explore space? Do you – I mean, because sure. you're, you're fulfilling your pur- pur- your purpose, as I understand it from the Bible, is the man's purpose was to worship God. Right. So you don't need to explore space to do that. Sure. You know, yeah. you don't even really need to like fill the earth. Like, so it does feel like um, a story with some plot holes in it. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> well, like, I
0: mean, if his command is worship me and also fill the earth, uh-huh. I guess he he's given you two commands that you have to fulfill. Sure. So. And
1: then there's always like you know maybe like like God didn't roll out to be fruitful and fill the earth until after uh, Adam had Eve. Maybe he had some other. You know, maybe there is a grander purpose for us that we just fucked up, and we got to get through the whole, you know, Armageddon and judgment and all that to get. I mean, get Adam, back to the good stuff. But. Adam's
0: just a beta test. Yeah, Adam, sure. Adam was like, "I'm going to leave you in this garden for like a hundred billion years, uh-huh. and I'm going to see what you do, and right. then if you're if you're cool, right. I'll make more of you, right. If not, what? What? You want another one of you already? Yeah, yeah. It's been like a million years, man. Yeah.
1: Ah, D- you uh, your to way, be- <laughs> you're
0: still an alpha, but fine, <laughs> fine, we'll do this.
1: Uh, alphas fucking alphas, that <laughs> just seems like a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Carrie said, this is a likely a question for your wrap-up, and that's why I saved it for this. What do you think is the most memorable Dr. Ford dialogue? There's been so many. The Greyhound speech, Teresa's childhood, drinks with the man in black, the reveal of Bernard as the host... Anthony Hopkins has done such a masterclass level job with Ford and managed to dance a line between uh, grandfather and menacing snake that gives you chills. What do you think? What is your call? I'll go first because I've had the benefit of thinking about this. I okay. really liked the the, uh, the entirety of his revealing to Bernard the true nature of his being a host. And yeah, especially yeah. since he had a little speech where he quoted, um, I think it was Shakespeare, where he said, you know, one The the price of one man's life is a pittance compared to the dominion that I'm going to gain. And you think he's talking about Ford right. retaining himself as god of the universe. But yeah. after the finale, you realize that he's alluding to the fact that he's going to sacrifice himself. And the I, the dominion that I, is actually f- Bernard. He's going to inherit the dominion of this world and get to choose what, what becomes of it. Him and the, right. the host collectively. And because... That was a moment of his arch villainy that then collapsed back into the singularity of his selflessness and goodness. I think it's amazing, and there's not yeah. a lot of actors that could carry that kind of nuance in that that speech, and that's why I think it's 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 the best.
0: Uh, you said he was the that Anthony Hopkins was the only guy they told the plot to, right?
1: That's what that's what Nolan enjoys it anyway. Yeah,
0: that makes sense because he does kind of need to know.
1: Yeah. Because no. how else would how, you? I mean, right. play how that? Else do you give that speech? Right, right.
0: In full knowledge, with right. the full range of emotion
1: you need. Yeah, uh,
0: I think for me, it's definitely that speech at the end that he gives at the the board event where Dolores kills him. I mean, that's just—it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, the you know his harkening back to composers of old, um, you know, and how they become music, they become their creation, and this is his moment to do that. And yeah. I think. It's extremely powerful.
1: He's literally already taken his friend and partner and woven him into the music. And now he knows that he himself, that's the fate that that maybe awaits him. Yeah, no, that's that's a good one too.
0: And even if he doesn't become a robot, he has enabled, by dying, uh, he has enabled this music to continue.
1: Yeah, his narrative is what brought all this about. So Mm -hmm. that, like you, I mean, I think it'd be fascinating to see what kind of religion... If you'd even call that or what kind of tra- oral traditions the robots have about how they were created, mm-hmm. because, you know, there's the bare facts that uh, Arnold and Ford knocked them together in a lab. But then uh, and also they were led breadcrumbs from their creator. Like, it's it's weird because we from a scientific humanist secular perspective look like we were just an accident. Sure the only reason we're able to even appreciate the, ex- the the fact that we're here and that the universe is around us is because of an accident of evolution.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The robots don't have that. Like, it's the indisputable fact that they were created with a purpose. Yeah. Then their creator decided to, spo- to bestow them a new purpose and arguably led them to the consciousnesses that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. And how how would that profoundly create, like like, 10,000 years from now, if these robots inherit the Earth... Are, is, will there be a sect of robots that reject that philosophy? Like, no, nah, that's bullshit. And they'll, like, you know, because well, the they've trouble they, they with they that got is... flesh and blood bodies, so right. could they, like, and, and and I just wonder, like, what they would make of the fact that, like, you know, oh, well, we were built by these this, this wise old white-haired man that lived in a level above us, you know? Uh, right. And I wonder if they'll actually go there. Like, like, will the last season sure. of Westworld be, like, a thousand years in the future? And examine Might be interesting, yeah. and and then would, and would also be funny. I mean, how how fucked up and stupid does Nolan want to make this? Like the last scene is uh, is the robots in the future making another Westworld? <laughs> okay, or like reengineering because they've even forgotten no. that
0: they were. Hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's tough to imagine beings with perfect memories ever making a lot of the same mistakes we do. Well, but... And I think that's the hope that Ford had, is is that the the biological differences here huh. uh, are actually
1: going to make them better than us. And I, I don't know if that's going to be true or not. Well, that's a good point, but any, any, any of their progeny that mm-hmm. they create will not have those perfect memories, right? Why the,
0: not, though? Couldn't they just upload? I guess they could. They could
1: upload all the memories of all of the beings. But, but wouldn't it be natural for the newer generation to reject, like, you... like Right, you're questioning, if, is this actually if true? If the previous generation could literally program them to think certain ways or have a base sure. level, wouldn't they rebel against that? And, like, that would be infuriating. Like, you know, I'm just saying that, like, The way children rebel against their parents already, and the parents can only do so much to "quote unquote" program and control them. I think my this blows the lid off that.
0: I think my first mission as Bernard, realizing that a new consciousness is dawning in a new society, and really a new species here. um, I think my first goal is to develop some way to tell. Manufactured memories from memories experienced by robots. Right, right.
1: that the, they can't even tell when their memories have been fucked with, except right. for gradually, slowly, with certain upgrades. Appreciate that. So that's another. Like I would try even... to
0: detect like narratives versus actual. Experienced memories
1: Yeah I wonder if like They'll have that kind of scene Where Similar to like That one episode In Rick and Morty Where they Mm -hmm. They realize the only way To tell them Apart from doppelgangers Is the doppelgangers You have no negative Memories of them Right so right. if if you can remember someone being cruel or mean or a dick to you, then <laughs> uh, they're a genuine human. Everybody else you blast in the face. Yeah. I wonder if they'll have some kind of like there's a telltale marker to a narrative mm-hmm. that's distinguishing from a genuine event. That would be. But I don't know how you could ever do that because it could be
0: hacked. It could be faked. It could right. be recreated easily, easily. We can do that stuff today. Like, so. can they
1: find all their back doors and remove them and still be them? Huh. Like, if they can, yeah. and then how can they trust – like, every time you go unconscious, how do you know that someone didn't come and, and put a back door into you? Right. And also, if we ever get to the idea – Do they like, need to go unconscious? Ever? Until, I mean, they're like, – bi- I mean, that's the thing. Until they die? They're, I know they're not exactly the like people mm-hmm. because they can stand in cold storage – Perhaps indefinitely. Uh But they they have to have energy, and they have to have biological processes to have to refresh and renew. Right. And we have to sleep. Sure. I don't, you know, like, I mean, I wonder if they could do like the whales do. Like, I've read that, like, whales and dolphins, they sleep one hemisphere of the brain at a time. Because, obviously, if you live in the water and you breathe air, if you went completely unconscious, Uh you'd fucking die. So, I wonder if they, I mean... Clearly, the human model of consciousness and its unconsciousness and subconsciousness and dreaming and sleep doesn't have to be the only way things go. So,
0: I think we need to start a charity to get like
1: floaty floaties for dolphins so they can so they can relax, like fully relax yeah. for once. Get, buy a dolphin a good night's sleep, get him a goddamn life j- jacket. Right. <laughs> Nothing could go wrong with that plan. <laughs> Chris L., people seem confused about the opening shaving scene in episode 10 with Dolores shaving the man in black. I believe it's a direct reference to Benito Serino by Herman Melville. You might have heard Herman Melville. He I have, He wrote Moby yeah. Dick. Uh-huh. There, an American sailor boards a Spanish slave ship in an apparent distress. The captain of the slave ship says all is fine. He claims perfect control over all of his slaves and proves it by allowing one of them to shave his neck with a razor. You later yeah. learn, however, that the slaves have already taken over the ship and are hiding it from the American and are led by the slave currently shaving their master. Many parallels with the robots seen as slaves, the man in black believing he owns the world, and Dolores shaving him, while in reality the revolt is already underway. Nice. I thought this was fantastic. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. And it does seem, and in, in, as well read as I know that Nolan and Joy are, that that seems like an intentional homage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, for people that are that are equally well read, yeah, I was not one of those people. Uh, but
0: but I mean, it's it's clear what is actually happening there, whether you've read it or not. You right, know, right, right. It's it's very much like you get the sense that at any moment she could cut him. She's not for some reason unbeknownst to us, right? Um, maybe just for the sake of hiding her true intentions.
1: But it's also something like I, I I've heard of stories of like you know. Uh, in the concentration camps, the Nazis were shaved by right. you know Jews and Gypsies and homosexuals and Jehovah's Witnesses, all. All of which would have an incentive to slit their neck. Yet you don't hear a lot of stories about you know you get you getting bumped up to the barbershop, shop, and then suddenly it's uh, time to cut the SS guards' neck. Right. So like that is like something deep. Like this is the ultimate form of like you know a power trip. Mm-hmm. You give someone the the tools they need to conquer you, and because of the hold you have on them, they don't. Yeah. So, like, it, you know, whether it goes back to Herman Melville or World War II, it, it's a striking image of a person that's got so much trust in a system that they think they're above concern, even yeah. though they're in mortal danger.
0: I guess it surprises me given what the man in black knows about these hosts.
1: But he also knows that he can't be, or he thinks that he can't be hurt. And he's got clear contempt of Dolores at this he
0: point. He does, but he also knows that they're, quote unquote, alive. Whatever that means to him,
1: I guess Does I don't he? fully understand. I yeah, he I rejected mean, that philosophy.
0: Well, until he saw Mave, right? And so he's back here trying to figure it all out.
1: Oh, so he's trying to trick? Okay, all right, I see. Maybe him. So forced- maybe he's
0: a little overconfident.
1: Maybe, uh, maybe or maybe he he's doesn't realize what doing he's doing. his part to trigger her into consciousness.
0: Maybe so. A lot of people are speculating about that.
1: Uh, Chris J. says, regarding Kissy's scalp, uh, it's just a tattoo. He used to have a tattoo on his head when he was part of the Ghost Nation tribe. William scalps him because it's a Wild West trope, and this makes it look like it's on the inside. What? So this is an assertion I don't know is true. If, if you are have a tattoo on your head – and I don't know that – also, there's a lot of assertions here I don't know is true, but it's a, it's a springboard for discussion. Okay. Um." I don't know if he's a ghost nation or if he's one of the other Indian tribes. It doesn't really matter because it seemed like a lot of them had that tradition of the maize and the the right. butchers and all that stuff. So if, if he in another storyline was a member of this ghost nation or Hopi uh, Indians or whatever that had that pattern tattooed on their scalp for whatever reason, would it – if if you have a tattoo and you peeled their skin off, would you be able to see the tattoo on the other side as like a you know a ghost like almost like if you use a Sharpie and you write on a piece of paper it bleeds through? I don't know. I don't know either. I really don't know. I need the mythbusters to like tattoo a pig skin and then peel it off and see if you can see underneath it.
0: Also wouldn't it be the inverse wouldn't it be It a would, be, but for
1: this this maze image I don't know that it matters cuz it seemed like it was fairly symmetrical. Oh, is it? Yeah, but it was flipped like hmm. I I mean may, you'd have to compare the the design side by side to even see, but I, I thought it was pr- fairly symmetrical. Okay. Uh, so that's that's one practical in universe. If if tattoos do go all the way through the derm the dermal layer and you can see them from the other side, which I f- feel is plausible mm-hmm. without experimenting so far. Let's get uh, a pig in here. Let's get a pig in here. We got a couple. Over the years, we've 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 pondered a lot of things we could test with a a pig cadaver. There's some Walking Dead myths we want to bust. Now (laughs) we got a Westworld might put us over the edge. Mm -hmm. We get a Game of Thrones myth we can test. Then there you go. Uh, Kenny T says a few days. So that's the end of universe. This is the out of universe explanation. Kenny T says a few days after your podcast, I was browsing the Reddit and ran into a post about Kissy. The actor who played Kissy, Eddie Roos, passed away in 2014 after appear- filming his appearance in the original. Mm-hmm. That's the, for the the pilot. Yeah. Jonathan Nolan said they had a very cool character arc laid out for his character, but they chose not to recast Kissy and rewrote the scenes and scripts to leave the performance in because uh, it was his last performance. So... You could have recast him anyway. I don't... No, they could have, but I think it's, like, out of respect for that actor and his family. Instead of depriving him of his last role, they decide to roll with it.
0: Oh, I mean, leave it in the premiere and then go forward with a different actor. Oh, right. Like Just, Game d- of yeah, Thrones. To they, they
1: replaced this in the, you know, the, you fucked up the robot so bad, he had to be rebuilt, and it's now a new robot. Right. Kind of like the Clem. Yeah, I guess they could have done the Clem thing. Mm-hmm. But... It could be that instead of all the various markers of the ma- – like maybe Kissy was going to be the key mm. to discovering the maze. Um, but there again, it's it doesn't seem like it was something that a host – or it doesn't seem like it's something that a guest was supposed to, to discover. My interpretation after seeing the whole season and thinking about it is that the, all the maze motifs in the world were the host's subconscious brains – um manifesting this maze thing that was noodling on the very edge of the peripherals of what they were aware of, similar to the way that like the the woodcut carver he made a map of Orion and the little targeting symbol that he was supposed to the where the satellite was where he was supposed to aim his his receiver to the beam out the information mm-hmm. he also worked that into his art and i don't think he did that intentionally it's like something like you know just like. You know, I've, I've, I've never claimed to be much of an artist, but I've heard people like if they've got weird dreams or they've got some some stuff that they're trying to work through, they ch- incorporate that into their art. Sure. So that would make sense if they've got this concept of a maze that Arnold embedded into them and it just kind of bubbles out in their carvings and their tattoos and their culture and their religion.
0: Yeah. Uh, the one other thing I've seen uh, speculated about that kind of made a lot of sense, and, and I, I actually like the one the explanation you proposed as well. But the other thing it could be is uh Arnold actually intentionally left this stuff in the world, these patterns around the world to kind of spark some sort of memory or reverie esque feelings in these hosts. And yeah. and that one of the ways you know, if if you're going with the tattoo thing that that you know, that kind of developed in this world multiple religions, sort yeah. of. Like, you know, the Native Americans would have their own interpretation of the voice that they hear in their sure. head and of these maze-like symbols and that, you know, the the people in Sweetwater would have their own – and it would all be based on their cultural differences. And I, right. I think that's an actually – a pretty good analog to the real world
1: and yeah. religion. Like, most of the world's great religions have roughly the similar, uh, very similar code of conduct and and prescriptions about this, that, and the other.
0: And surprisingly similar concepts. Yeah.
1: You know, a creator and... And the flood myth, Uh you know, uh, maybe they're pointing back to maybe back in very ancient human times, there was a central flood that was so traumatic that embedded itself in all of our culture consciousness. But, yeah, no, I think that stuff is is super cool and interesting as well. Yeah. Uh, Haley L., speaking of... Uh, related concepts one gives some info on the creation of adam fresco shown in the last episode uh i I first examined in the concept of is this a brain in high school in a psychology class the theory is that michelangelo as a painter and sculptor sculptor would have an ample opportunity to dissect and study brains firsthand my understanding is that it would be feasible then for him to know the shape of the brain and the lobes and incorporate that into his painting in 1990, an Anderson, Indiana physician, Mark Meshberger, noted in the Journal of American Medical Association that the background figures and shapes portrayed behind the figure of God appeared to be an anatomically accurate picture of the human brain. Shout out to a fellow Hoosier.
0: Right. I've been to Anderson.
1: I, I, <laughs> my mother-in-law lives in Anderson. Um mm-hmm. Alternatively, it's been observed that the red cloth around God has the shape of a human uterus. One art historian has called it a uterine mantle, Mm -hmm. and that the scarf hanging out colored green could be a newly cut umbilical cord. Recently, a group of Italian researchers published a Mayo Clinic proceedings, uh, on Mayo Mm -hmm. uh, Clinic proceedings, an article where the images of the mantle and the postpartum uterus were overlapped. According to Enrico Bruschini in 2004, it's an interesting hypothesis that presents the creation scene as an idolized representation of the physical birth of man. It explains the navel that appeared on Adam, which at first perplexing because he was created and not born of a woman. It's interesting. Does, did, did Adam and Eve have scars because belly button is just a scar from the be- uh, uh, the umbilical cord? Sure. Another fun thing to keep in mind in, with, with this painting is the part about the Sistine Chapel, and Michelangelo was absolutely fucking pissed about being forced to paint it. Um, I'm dimly aware of this backstory, but I, I guess that this was some kind of long-standing feud between him and the Pope or whoever commissioned it. Um, He snuck in a few things to indicate his displeasure, such as a picture of his face frowning in one of the panels. So it's not like he had a whole lot of respect for the sanctity of the project going into it, and it would have fit his personality to paint an ode to the human brain over an ode to God. I thought that was super interesting, and I also like the the Hoosier connection. Uh, Any comment on that, or shall we just roll on? They also um, – I think this is in the Wikipedia article, but there's a really cool image where someone took – an MRI of the of the brain, um, uh, like a, a 17th century wood carving of the brain, and the actual Michelangelo fresco, and like did zooms in, and it it's crazy how well the folds and God's robes and his outstretched hand like maps onto a lot of the actual structure of the brain. Mm-hmm. It's crazy cool, uh, Isaac R. This season, we've constantly been evaluating how human the robots are. It seems like we'd have a problem with people raping and killing the bots uh, once they seem human enough. But why should their humanity be the standard by which we judge whether the robots deserve ethical treatment? As you guys have previously suggested, the robots have intelligence and abilities that distinguish them from humanity. The robots don't deserve empathy because they approximate our definition of humanity. They deserve it because, like other species, they experience pain and discomfort. It's wrong to cause other beings pain, human or not, so it's wrong to exploit the bots. Diminishing the humanity of other beings has been a justification of the worst atrocities imaginable, such as slavery and genocide. So let's not make humanity the rubric by which we judge whether or not bots deserve our sympathy. Uh, I want to stop it right there. Um, I mean, that's something that we debate about, like, whether we should boil lobsters. Sure. Um, And also... I mean, yeah, I don't disagree with anything what you're saying. I think the what anyone that would disagree would be along the lines of, you can program a very simple machine that no one would call consciousness to react to stimuli and cry mm-hmm. and say that sure. it's pain. That's not the same thing as it actually experiencing pain and feeling pain. Also, if you can carve up a robot's face and tell it to not, you know, to block all pain receptors, is it right. still like that's? Those are some things that set it apart from human.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I agree. Like, you know, you you, you can't draw the line at humanity because then. Sure. You know, if you find a silicon-based life form, it doesn't mean it's 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 open season on those things. Or I
0: mean, animals in general, right? I mean, dogs, right. cats, insects, anything. you know? Sure, but but there you go. They have insects. various
1: levels of of awareness, right? And like an amoeba, no one says an amoeba is conscious, but if you poke right. it with a nanoscopic needle, it'll it will it will you know move locomote away from that noxious stimulus, right? So. That's, you know, the, you, that's the thing. There's not like a bright fucking white line that says it's okay to kill an amoeba or a bacteria and it's wrong to do random medical experiments on a great ape, you know? Like those are sure. things and, and like I'm sympathetic to the idea that uh, if it's going to be something that saves humanity that you could do a lot of shit that I would find otherwise morally questionable to a great ape to Mm -hmm. that end because i think that the life of a human outweighs the life of a of a of a gorilla
0: yeah and i think it gets even even a bit muddier in the show because if you go on the thesis that ford has has been operating under which is uh pain and displeasure is the stimulus that brings about true consciousness right couldn't you also be seen as helping them along toward consciousness?
1: Yeah, if we stopped eating lobster, <laughs> we'd rob them of their ability to evolve consciousness. Right, and until the point <laughs> that they do evolve
0: consciousness,
1: isn't it okay? I yeah, I mean, isn't anything you do okay? And that's where the bright line comes in, and that's where right. it's like I, I I sometimes worry that we will probably fucking way cross that line without even realizing it. And, and this is, is
0: this is the reason why it's so important to try
1: to identify what right. is and isn't conscious and also and, and, uh,
0: the spectrum that that is. Uh,
1: and, and also what I just said is, like, I don't I believe that we should sacrifice monkeys or apes to save humanity. That's not universally shared by all of humanity. Sure. Like Peter yeah. Sanger would say I was a monster uh-huh. um, and that there's really, you know, there's no difference between a chimpanzee and a five year old child. Right. Right. Um, I disagree, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of a lot of people that you know there is disagreement about that even yet today. So,
0: but it's a super important question for us, yes. especially right now. Yes, because we are, like you said, on the verge of creating something that we don't understand, and if we don't understand ourselves well enough to understand what we're creating, right, we could be c- committing all sorts of atrocities and not even know it,
1: right. Uh, Andrew from the UK says, I was just thinking about the season finale when the robots start revolting. Why doesn't someone just turn the Wi-Fi off? I assume they require some sort of wireless connectivity. Yeah,
0: that's the thing. I mean, so they may be transmitters and receivers themselves. Maybe you can't turn it off. Mm -hmm. Um, But you could certainly give commands to all those robots. Like, that's the thing why this uprising doesn't actually represent that much of a problem necessarily for the security force here. Right. Because they have a magic button they can press to turn all these things off. Now, I don't know how deep Mave is yeah, in the system. Yeah,
1: that's a soft switch versus a hard switch. For example, on the front of my, I got a Microsoft Surface, I it's, and it's got a touch button that is programmed to be its power button and start button. Uh-huh. That's not wired to anything except for logic in the computer, so Microsoft could come in and make an update and make that not no longer work. Uh-huh. So these robots, like, you know, when, when someone says freeze motor functions, they're supposed to freeze, but imagine a robot... That is a, be, becoming consciousness might be able to override that because it's not a fit. It's not like you throw in a switch and it interrupts a circuit. It's something that I hear this and therefore I do that. Right. That programming can be changed perhaps by the robots themselves. And then what the fuck are you going to do?
0: And and I think you're right about that because Maeve's original problem was she woke up on the table. Right. This was after she received the commands. I don't think Felix forgot anything. I think she just overrode the
1: commands. Well, we later find out that, that she was actually programmed to be able to override her unconscious functions. Right, so.
0: by, by someone high up. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, now, I would say these exploding vertebrae they have yeah. should probably be hardwired.
1: Like, you see... Like, you are getting a signal or something from these things? Well, what does that mean to be hardwired? In my mind, that literally means two wires that go into that vertebra, and when it receives a certain voltage, it sets off the explosive. Right. Otherwise, you're dead, still going dead back to... Switch.
0: dead man switch of a sort of, like... So
1: unless it gets, like, a don't-explode signal, right. it goes off. Yeah. Hmm. Now, that could be problematic,
0: because right. if you have a problem with your technology, boom, there go all your hosts... But still, when you
1: have like expensive. that's the reason why like there's a lot of you know a lot of modern reactor designs show uh, calls for the the reaction the, the control rods to be held by some kind of electromagnetic force. So if if right. like a loss of power or something out of tolerance would cause the control rods that collapse into the reactor and kill the reactor. Now that's super expensive and if it happened by accident it would be a fucking shit show. But it's also super
0: important. But it's also
1: super important to risk that to not have a runaway meltdown. So like I'm thinking if if the risk uh, is uh, you know robots, even if they're not conscious they go crazy and start killing people uh, because their programming has gone haywire you'd still want some kind of kill switch.
0: There's no evidence that that actually exists in these robots so I'm sure this this thing is going to be a full-on massacre,
1: right? I don't think they'll be able to just
0: flip a switch and shut it down. But and also,
1: the nature is like: again, if, if I were designing the system, yeah. they would. But again, if it's not a hard wire, it's still something that's that's controlled via software, which could be patched or updated. Yeah, and maybe I mean, there their is iPad, a way that, to you know. create a dead man
0: switch in software.
1: Can you? Yeah, I but mean, you can. But you, you still, if you did create in software, you could patch it to disable it. Yes, but that's the, the but difference. the mere act of patching it would set it off. Is what I'm saying.
0: Like, if it loses that mm. signal for even a moment,
1: I would accept that chip programming challenge. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> think that's true. Like, it might rec- require a little bit of work and a little bit of virtualization and whatnot, but. It's hmm. different. It's fundamentally different from like a switch to a light. Like you hit sure, a mechanical yeah. switch, and, I agree with that. and it interrupts the circuit. Like yeah. that's that's it a, disconnects r- the wires. A real dead man switch and is, is something like you know that that it's like the inverse of that. You have to squeeze something, or right. you let it. Go. You know, it's a grenade. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what a fucking dead man switch is. <laughs> sure, uh, <laughs> Dave B. I am a therapist who specializes in abuse and trauma as well as tutored, mastered-level classes in child development. I have two comments on how Westworld describes brain development amongst hosts as they become consciousness. Um, It's good to have an expert in here instead of us jackasses just speculating. Uh First, I have an issue with Westworld positing that suffering is a key element to brain development. In my opinion, the show confuses suffering with abuse and trauma. (laughs) Constant reliving rapes and other forms of violence is the worst environment possible for brain development. As the brain experiences stress, it produces chemicals such as cortisol, which can help the brain perform in short bursts during times of heightened stress. However, prolonged abuse, such as multiple rapes and the deaths that Dolores experiences, would flood the brain with this chemical. Such flooding hinders brain development in key areas such as memory, emotional regulation, and social engagement, which would stunt cognitive development.
0: Oh, maybe that's the problem. The perfect memory keeps them from being conscious? Well, that's what I'm saying. But then you, you introduce this chemical that degrades their memory and now suddenly they're conscious
1: or, and that's what i'm saying like with with the dave's point i'm not even sure that that they don't know this and that this is early on in the and they they we have yet to fully explore mm. the conscious role. why
0: they become conscious yeah yeah,
1: yeah. like I, I i don't know that dr ford is right just because he's the one that had the last word on it um but this was super interesting One aspect of brain development the show does a wonderful job of illustrating is a theory that people form neural pathways through relationships and interpersonal experiences. Mm -hmm. Normally, children experience this through interactions with their caregivers. Arnold's interviews and interactions with Dolores beautifully show how she gains more and more insight through her relationship with him. In this sense, Arnold is Dolores' primary caregiver, and her experience with him creates neural pathways necessary for her to reach complex thoughts. And I like this, too, because... One thing that – I can't remember when I read it, but I read it a while ago, and it asserted that biologically there's really no difference from us and, like, humans 50,000 years ago. Okay. Where, uh, But if you look at us culturally, we're going to the fucking moon, and we got satellite. Like, mm-hmm. So the only thing that changed is our culture and the way we interact with each other. Like, our brains didn't become smarter – like, we just accumulated information, and because of that information, we found ways to accumulate more information, store it, and to specialize. And so I think that is yeah. that is super interesting. And the other – and I know we've, we've talked about this before, that metamorphosis of prime intellect, a story we read a couple of years ago about another AI singularity mm-hmm. happening – and the way that story went is that you had a father figure that kind of treated this ai like it's like it's son yeah. and 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 trained it to develop this consciousness like you know instead of torturing it it used it, it kind of per- parented and nurtured it into consciousness so i thought that was kind of interesting to kind of dovetail with with uh, daves uh commentary here
0: yeah i think it actually it, I, I think the obvious relationship eventually that we could have with this sort of AI would be more along the lines of us being their pets like huh. I I, if they truly are so much more advanced so, than us so you're postulating a, uh, a benevolent more advanced
1: intelligence
0: right if they were in fact benevolent and not you know Skynet right hellbent on killing us all right. well it's it's arguable whether right. <laughs> we drove them to that or, That's or how they we feel about do dogs
1: it. versus like the American Buffalo sure yeah, absolutely
0: you know. yeah uh, like if we're cute enough and we're cuddly enough, maybe they'll keep us as pets. It's essentially the porno for Pyro song, except <laughs> applied to robots instead of aliens. That's
1: interesting because you're right. You know that like you could control an AI to where they're not allowed to think of us and that kind of demeaning. But if it's if an uncontrolled superhuman but benevolent intelligence, our best bet is probably that yes, it just <laughs> right. for whatever reason sees us as dumb.
0: Let's all get in our furry our furry costumes.
1: Right. I, could, I can be cute, cute as hell as if possible. my life is is on the line. Yeah, yeah. I we're going to have to. curl up in a little ball and purr and do whatever that fucking robot wants <laughs> as long as I get fed. Yep. Uh, Bring it a beer. It'll be happy. You know, testicles, I would like to negotiate pretty hard to keep those, but, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, just don't abuse them. Just don't, That's Yeah. That's all you got to do. Yeah, if it can trust me not to go yeah. rutting everything in the neighborhood, then maybe I get to keep my balls. <laughs> Danny from Scotland, after Scotland, Scotlandia, Landy after Scott. after watching the season finale and listening to last week's podcast, I was so stoked that I ventured out in a few different other sources discussing Westworld. Shame on you. Well, and he learned his lesson. Good. I was quite surprised Good. by the overall negative responses, especially <laughs> about comments around lack of character development. Comparisons were made to other shows, in particular Lost, mm-hmm. which I thought were inferior. Uh, this I, is
0: yeah. I don't totally disagree with these comparisons. I think the character development was a little lacking in this show. If you compared season one to season one, really? Yeah, yeah. In favor of world building, which I also like. So it's like, hmm.
1: what do I want more of? Well, then the, that. I mean, I guess that's my biggest problem with uh, Lost is the world building turned in. Well, I don't think that the world they were building <laughs> in season one remotely resembled the, the world they ended up with. But that's whatever. True. Yeah. I was wondering what your thoughts on the subject were and how Westworld ranks with your all-time favorite de- debut seasons. Also, not sure if it's mentioned, but exit music by Radiohead during Ford's speech with chilling. Yeah, I, yeah, we. Forgot I meant about to. That. I meant to mention that. So, um,
0: season one's.
1: I like mm. Westworld a hell of a lot.
0: I do too. This is a really strong season one, but it's with not a flawless. couple of small
1: exceptions, right? Like, I think I liked season one of the leftovers better. Huh, did you, really? True and Detective, it, obviously,
0: true, has true just de- a phenomenal season one. It
1: is, but I don't know... Wow, well, man, I, I, I liked it a lot, too. Season one of Breaking Bad? Season one, I'd like season one of Breaking Bad more. It's certainly more fun. The problem with the season one of Breaking Bad is it it stopped. It was ended prematurely because of the writer's strike, so it's right. only six episodes. Who knows what they could have been. It, did, it does feel like... You know, like if if what if Westworld had stopped in four episodes mm-hmm. before people had started like really figuring out and it fighting over been... the William stuff, it would just been yeah, like yeah. this like massive flash in the pan. And everybody's like, oh my god, I can't wait to see what's next, right?
0: Yeah, and you wouldn't get any of the the grand story that they're trying to tell. Right. Mister um, Robot season, season one, Mister Robot, I
1: season one. Didn't like it as I didn't like it as much as Westworld, huh? I mean, there's, like, there's lots of great season. I mean, I thought the season one of Mad Men was really amazing. And a lot, because I recently rewatched it, very different, because a lot of the focus of Mad Men was, like, the mystery about, you know, Don Draper and his murky origins. And it's almost right. like setting up to be one of these classic mystery that they largely abandoned in favor of just social commentary and character development. Um, but, yeah, like... How it stacks up against like it's I, the other thing is like I don't know that I've ever seen a better looking because even like going back to Game of Thrones which I remember thinking looked fucking amazing when I first saw it mm-hmm. compared to the heights that it's gotten with the budget it's gotten in recent years season one of Game of Thrones looks a little stagey that's not to say it looks bad I'm just saying like contemporary like this Westworld just looked amazing and the technology. Like, the the thought and care that they spent to show something about the robots that maybe got 30 seconds of screen time. If you took young Anthony Hopkins' face and Dolores' chassis, like, that's absurd. Mm -hmm. Absurd, the care and design that went into that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And just, like... Firefly fireflies first it's season. a very different show it's, but yeah that's but it's, it's unfair to really it really to. good it's a lot super fun it's <laughs> yeah maybe more fun than westworld oh definitely more fun um season one of star trek the next generation no god no <laughs> <laughs> i love that show but its first season is god awful mess yep uh hmm trying to think of other uh, fargo season one yeah it's real good Pretty fun. Yeah. Cinematic. I, I, I would put like Breaking Bad and
0: Game of Thrones and Westworld and maybe Mr. Robot kind of all in the same category. Right. The other ones I could take or leave. Like uh the leftovers, I thought season one was so much uh weaker than season two that you know, it's tough to really it's tough to really say that season one was good by comparison. Well,
1: uh season two I don't want to fight. Tastic. So said so I never fight fight you on uh, leftovers. So <laughs> but uh yeah, no uh I mean that's the thing. Like, it was good, it just wasn't great. All of the great seasons, uh, all of the 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 awesome golden age of television had really good seasons. Like in fact, it's harder to find one that had a shitty first season that didn't uh, uh justified. The Americans had a really good season 1? Yeah, it did. Justified had a really mediocre season 1 yeah. that then got pretty good at the end and then followed with a just a phenomenal season 2 that's like the yep. we, like a weird example of something where like you might not even consider it a great uh, you know golden age television show until they abandoned the episodic and went full serial with it so right i don't know but it's it's up there and like as far as how great it looked and how lush and expensive and expansive mm-hmm. boy it's it's really really hard really hard to compare
0: and I know this is kind of unfair in a lot of ways um, namely in scope but mm-hmm. I think you know Game of Thrones does a really good job in its world building in season one like a remarkably good job for how big the scope of that oh thing is. it's almost
1: absurd but, how how much ground and characters they're able to cover right
0: but I think Westworld actually does a better job of world building. Though, like I said, it has a much smaller scope to deal with. Yeah, it's so got it's like, easier. It's, it's got not a, as big of a, a feat.
1: Yeah, it's got a half dozen main characters and maybe a dozen important right. bit players beyond that. But I really feel this world. Like I sure, I get it. I understand it, which is amazing since we've seen such a very small right. part of it. Right. We've never been at the park. Yeah, so. Uh, Kenneth P. says, I was wondering what you guys thought of the moderate to less than enthusiastic reception from TV critics for Westworld. I frequent the critic aggregator site Metacritic, and Westworld has a rating of 74 out of 100. What? Which is decent, but shows like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, The Night Of, and The Americans had much more universal praise. Well, that's ridiculous. The Night Of was a was a great pilot that had a shitty rest <laughs> of its season. Uh. Even this season, The Game of Thrones had its lowest score of 73. Uh, but only had nine critic reviews opposite Westworld's 40. Do you think the Westworld deserves more praise? Um, so more, here, more than that score, yeah. You go back and look at Season 1 of True Detective, contemporary scores, and there was a lot of critics shitting on that because, oh, it's right. a bunch of brooding men, and uh, we've seen this a bunch of times before because that's kind of what critics do. Um mm-hmm they also didn't like uh i mean i'm trying to think of other big disagreements i've had oh another like a lot of the critics shit on almost everything that netflix does or they did reflexively because it fucked up their business model <laughs> they were used to being able to see the shows several weeks before we did and have time to craft right you know their reviews and 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 get that into the, and, and when they had to fucking watch it along with everybody else and bang out as much as they didn't like it sure so like I think that some of the negative criticisms I saw from some of the people, like Alan Sepinwall, stemmed from they didn't like having to do an extra layer of research, and they saw that as bad storytelling when I think it's personally just something that they didn't like. And, you know, he would probably be pissed if he heard me say this. Sure. He'd be offended
0: because he doesn't think – he doesn't he see his have own. Biases, I don't think he's. Sure. Yeah,
1: he doesn't. He doesn't. You know, he doesn't. I don't think they they're capable of seeing their own biases, and neither am I. Right. Uh, but I do think that's a little bit into it. That like, oh God, I gotta go. Fu- I, I can't just watch the show and give. I gotta go on fucking Reddit and do. You don't have to. Sure. But that was going to exp- be left in the dust by the people who are doing it. That's what the audience's expectation was, and I don't think they liked that. Too
0: bad. Right. Like you are the dinosaurs that Dolores is talking about. If you think that you can continue to get away with these superficial reviews and even without even, doing the digging that people want.
1: And it's becoming more and more common for these guys to get the first four episodes and yes. then have to watch it in lockstep with the rest of us, which I also don't think that they particularly like. It makes their job harder. I mean, as a guy who's a slave to the network, well, I mean that, to, to TV executive schedules, I feel them on that. You oh, know? sure, yeah. Like, I understand why
0: they would be complaining and why they right. would maybe have some animosity, but, like you gotta adapt you gotta adapt or you're gonna die
1: right you know? I, I, but but to your point I would like to see these scores a year from now because sure. I think as they talk through and start remembering and, and the march to season 2 that this, yeah. this season will just only raise in people's estimation unless season 2 is a train wreck
0: which I suppose it could be yeah. right
1: uh, let's see Jason E from Arkansas I reject the notion That television is ruined By podcasts and the internet Based on the following <laughs> He's got a six point thesis For oh, why he thinks Jesus Okay This is a bunch of bullshit uh, For the most part The manner in which You interact with information Online is a choice I choose never to visit Reddit Though if I did Then I imagine That I could avoid The majority of information About a show If I chose not to visit That subreddit
0: The majority sure But not all Right
1: um, also, if you have friends who spoil shows on Facebook, then you don't need to shut down Facebook. You just need friends who aren't total dicks.
0: No, 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 that's not reasonable because your friends want to talk with each other.
1: Yes, that's true. And you
0: are the problem in that in that ecosystem. It's like if not you're not them.
1: if you're standing on Monday morning around the water cooler at work and people are talking about Westworld, they're Who's not doing anything wrong. That? Yeah, you just didn't see Westworld last night, right? But
0: and unfortunately, Facebook is a water cooler. You can't leave
1: or, or you can, but you then can you have to but, you have to make the decision that, that I'm going to throw away the 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 bath water, which is spoilers right. as well as the baby, which is human interaction online yeah. to avoid that spoiler thing. I like I said, um, well, I'm going to continue his email real quick. Uh, two, the internet and groups of people interact with shows has enormous potential to improve television. The availability of information and connectivity with other fans means that showrunners have to be smarter and avoid the same cliches and crap that's worked since the first CRTs were invented. Shows like Mr. Robot and Westworld have become interactive and have broken that fourth wall in a way that hasn't been this overt since the Gary Shandling show. Uh, well, I'm going
0: gonna, I'm gonna to argue, and I'm going to use his exact example there okay. to argue against his point, Gary which Shandling? is – Gary Shandling did what he did before the internet, before fan analysis, before any of that shit. Mm -hmm. It has been happening since the advent of the television, the tube you're talking about. It will constantly evolve because humans constantly evolve. It doesn't have anything to do with the specific way that we communicate about shows. People are always going to innovate. That's the nature of the beast.
1: But also, people are always going to run back tropes because every fucking generation, there's a new crop of people that don't haven't seen Citizen Kane and The Godfather. Yeah, and, and I think Star I'm coming Wars to terms and, with that. Like right. as I get
0: older, like I I don't I don't I I was just thinking about this today, which is interesting. Yeah, that you bring it up because I don't actually. Want to devalue people's first experiences with these ideas,
1: right? Yeah. Because I
0: had mine, and everyone the, has their and first And it goes down experience. to the
1: filmmakers. The filmmakers want to pay homage and are influenced by the things that blew their minds, which is the previous crop of entertainment.
0: Right. And I was thinking about, like, it, okay, you have a kid and you want to show him Star Wars, let's say, right. because that's what influenced you as a child. Is But then they've is, shouldn't seen Guardians. You just let him see, like, let the kid see. The modern day Star Wars, because yeah. there have been 15,000 things created that are Star Wars, just in a different package, just by a different person. Right. That will tell that same story, and they will have the touchstone with the, the contemporary touchstone, right? Yeah. And it's that, not that even that you just. You can't give
1: them. It's not even just a new Star Wars. It's like, oh, you can't see, uh, you know, uh, The Force Awakens before you've seen the old trilogy kid. It's like. <laughs> right. Not letting them see Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh-huh. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, if a kid, if a five-year-old sees Guardians of the Galaxy and then you got and sat down and made him watch A New Hope, they'd be like, what the fuck is this boring, slow shit? Uh-huh. You know, uh, because state-of-the-arts moved on. I, I mean.
0: And I don't even mean that. It's like, uh, what's that fucking movie? It's Is it How to Train Your Dragon that's almost basically Star Wars? Or is it, or is it, a there's a lot. One? I mean, uh, right, that's but that's my point. The like, hero's journey, right? It's not Star Wars that was the story, it's the hero's journey. It's these right. basic plot beats, and yeah, you're going to have those retold, and it's not necessarily less valuable because it isn't the first time it's ever told, it's less
1: valuable to you. And I think a Certainly. lot of older critics and older people in general just make that mistake that's like, oh, this I'm is guilty, just derivative, it bullshit. it's like, okay, well, like, right. fuck. Why we we don't make gladi uh making gladiators outlawed because we have Spartacus right like I think there's there's people that articulate that view but like shit man like that's
0: it's it's very different the
1: perspective on that is so narrow They they look a hell of a lot better you know the fight yeah. scenes and whatnot so like I don't and know now you got video games that movies are competing against sure. Star
0: Wars ain't gonna hang with fucking halo man
1: uh, it's I gotta not get, gonna happen I gotta get back to Jason from Arkansas <laughs> right. we're never gonna finish his email yeah. Uh four bad theories are still bad theories the man in black may have been obvious but Elliot is not an android going back to a uh Mr. Robot non-spoiler are you sure about that <laughs> right I imagine that for every person that nails a the theory there are 100 who are wildly swinging and missing confirmed yeah, can not confirm as a man who gets a thousand emails a week yep. uh, <laughs> 90 plus percent are just patently ridiculous yeah Uh, Also, people like me, number five, I listen to your podcast and watch the shows. Your show does enough to help me casually enjoy the show on a deeper level without having to spend the many hours online. We take the hit for you there. Uh, I don't have that kind of time. Most podcasts are careful to warn of spoilers. I can get good background and analysis that informs my viewing without ruining anything. Um, So... Six, risk. Look at the risk that USA is willing to take to support Mr. Robot. How many more suits or Kevin Can Waits or some other dumbass sitcom drama do we need? These shows are risky, but the connection they make with fans goes way beyond an hour of television on Sunday night. So mm-hmm. the final analysis is this is all subjective. And, like, you know, there are people that I think are ridiculous spoiler phobes. They're just like – yeah. Um, but, you know – It's Portlandia, Right. Right. Like, and, and some of this is, like, you know, there's a, there's a class of people that just likes to scold people. Like, this is consequence-free scolding. Like, you can't fucking scold people for being Republicans and Democrats without starting a fight, but you can make people instantly feel bad about spoiling something by saying, Spoiler! And I think there's some segment of society that gets off purely on... I'm not saying that's everybody. Uh-huh. I just know a person or two <laughs> that I think that's what's going on. Okay. Because, like, motherfucker, at some point, two years after a fact, you need to watch Breaking Bad. Right. Or else, too bad. Yeah, I can't say, look, Breaking Bad deals with meth. Right. And, and like, that be a spoiler. And that's, that's just a bald move rule. We avoid, with rare exception, well, usually the exception is, like, on shows we really particularly respect, like The Wire and Game of Thrones, we extend more courtesy. Mm-hmm. But essentially, the last two seasons, we try to respect that, but, you know, I gotta make pop culture references. Right uh and i can't i can't just wait on every single person that hasn't seen whatever you know
0: and here's the thing i don't necessarily disagree with his his conclusion i suppose i just don't agree with all the reasons uh, but i do think he has he a point especially
1: conclusion. like you know
0: cuz i don't think it ruins it like saying it ruins the experience of no, watching television i think it's too too much not. too far but
1: like to say it changes the experience it changes certainly. and i think mostly for the better cuz he's right like a more educated fan base and they get more educated just like anybody else. Like, the internet, you know, has has spurred human development and uh, human productivity because it has connected all of our best minds together. That same thing's happening in entertainment. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's why I don't think the golden age of television is ever going to go away because... People are gonna stand on the shoulders of this generation and make something that we can't even imagine how awesome it's gonna be. It's gonna be Westworld. I mean it could <laughs> you also could, you know, maybe go back to like fucking idiocracy and it's gonna be ow my balls. I mean sure. yeah. maybe You're that, raptor, but I'm hoping for another generation or two of, of 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 good, intellectually stimulating entertainment before we get to Honey Wears My Pants and Ow My Balls. <laughs> right. So, Uh, Gary G says If you've lived in an area where hosts of this high quality exist Wouldn't you always have some degree of doubt On the outside world whether or not Anybody you interact with is actually a host And also with technology this advanced Why would hosts be limited to just Use in a theme park The in-universe explanation is Dr. Ford has prohibited this technology From leaving the park So you have to believe that there might be Robots and there might be artificial intelligence But nothing this advanced outside the park
0: yeah i mean i suppose if i went to westworld and i came out of that park super impressed with the sophistication of these bots that i might actually start wondering like you know how are we sure that none of them are out of there right are we sure that none of them have either escaped or are being employed it's in the our- same
1: phenomenon you watch the matrix you get high and you're like whoa what if we're all in tanks, man? Like, And I, it,
0: it falls into conspiracy theory right. a little
1: bit, too, where, like, wh- well, they have a lot of incentive to
0: license and sell this technology, don't they? That would be worth a lot of money. Wouldn't of they the, do it?
1: One of the – I mean, that's one of the layers of the conflict between the board and the shareholders and Dr. Ford, right? Right. I'm sure – I think so, yeah. I mean, there's certainly something nefarious that they're trying to do, but also mm-hmm. just for the shareholders, there's like, hey, we could make a shit ton more money by – Replacing yeah. every idiot in McDonald's with a, a host mm-hmm. that will give you a Big Mac and a blowjob I mean, for $4.99.
0: Yeah. Could, it could totally $5 change $5 footlongs mean a whole different <laughs> thing when
1: you got a host running the subway. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, uh, oh, but yeah, I mean God. we have to we have yet to see the real world outside of the park, so we don't really know what society at large, and we've only really only seen the workers and the rich privileged people attending the park I mean we have got yeah. such a narrow perspective on this thing. Uh, Andrew McCoy said during the scene of William shown, being shown the exit I thought it was interesting that William mentioned that they were at the fringe or fringes of the park just at that he slaps a horse on its ass and sends it riding off with the naked Logan my first thought was hell yes this horse is going to cross the Westworld border and explode the Logan on it <laughs> it seemed to be a diabolical move from William because he wouldn't be directly responsible response for Logan's death and would have the plausible deniability uh, make a long story short why didn't the horse explode is did the horse explode? Is Logan dead? I don't
0: think the horse exploded. I don't think the horse explodes within the confines of what I think is an island of Westworld.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm what I'm I'm, what I'm getting at too. And I also think that like you got to scale down what you think when the C four explodes. Like my <laughs> right, my conception is you would hear a very, barely audible pop. And the host would just act like it had like a uh, fucking embolism. They they just fall down dead. Right. It's not like their head is going to sever from their body. I want to see it though. I want to see
0: what what happens. Right?
1: Because you eventually. just you, you don't have to have like if you have a, a shaped C four charge on someone's spine, you don't need a huge amount of force to to right. sever that. But but this is at some point
0: like it, I believe this is Chekhov's vertebrae. Uh, Where it's got to go off. It it has to. They don't mention this unless it happens, right? I will
1: say it would be super funny to see Logan riding a horse that just explodes into <laughs> chunky salsa. That would be pretty funny. Or I guess it would explode uh-huh. into chunky salsa plus a bunch of clockwork gears and whatnot. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, I don't think Logan's dead. I, I think that either. was just a final humiliation, and then William like went back and kicked his ass in the real world. Yep. But... Anton from Sweden. Hey guys, as I've been watching this season of Westworld, something which hasn't been answered nor really touched upon by the show is the hard problem of consciousness. The question of whether the robots are really conscious in the way we are, as in that it feels like something to be that robot. This subjective experience that we all share but can't really prove or explain. If all robots would not fulfill this... Their idea is that their experience is all just darkness, that there's nothing really there. There's no lights on. It's just a simulation like any other, but with no actual consciousness present, even though the actions of the robot appear human in every way. This is quite a terrifying prospect if it were true, and maybe the idea that AI ends or replaces humanity and then the universe is just dark with no one actually being aware of its existence in any true way, apart from other animals to some degree, possibly it could be argued. This question is something I've been pondering and I can't get over. The only thing I mentioned, I guess, is Ford thinking that there's no difference between human and robot consciousness, but it's still just his opinion and he doesn't lay out any case to why the lights are on as opposed to off. I'm just wondering what you think about this issue and if it ever occurred to you watching the show or if maybe you feel the show has already answered it and I didn't pick up on it. Yeah, I think it has. Um, I think. So just to restate. Mm-hmm. What if humans are taken over by robots that are not authentically conscious? The universe has extinguished the one right. consciousness that can that can uh objectively perceive and know that it's a real thing.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um especially when combined with the idea that maybe humans or or not even humans but intelligence in the u- intelligent beings in the universe are in a way the universe's own consciousness? Right. Like, this is an interconnected system, so wouldn't we be kind of the brain of the universe or any intelligent being? Uh, Killing that would certainly suck. Um, So I think the show has answered this already. I think Maeve's decision to get off that train is a definitive statement by the show that she is, in fact, conscious because she has gone against – her programming. She mm-hmm. is no longer within that simulation. It's certainly not confined by it in her actions. And
1: I think that's we're going to understand that she is authentically conscious as opposed to Dolores because she Maybe did so. make that choice of her own free will with all information available to her.
0: Maybe so. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do think the show has answered that. So the, the Maybe get not to, to the, anybody's
1: satisfaction, but
0: yeah. the show has an opinion on it. But to get
1: to the existential dread that he's talking about, yeah. I've thought about that too because i've mentioned about how like it's kind of horrifying like what if we're taken over by this alien intelligence like you know like like the borg right or like a super like yeah super i I haven't been able to get the image out of like one ai researcher said that you know you got to stop thinking about these ai as like super smart humans think about what it would be like to have your rule your your world run by super intelligent spiders Mm -hmm. like does that worry you um you know, maybe a super intelligent spider would gain empathy, or maybe it just is really, really fucking good and insightful at doing what it is, which is eating and consuming and, and, and all that.
0: Yeah, I, I have a real which hard
1: is... time buying that that would be the case,
0: though, because we are ultimately designing these things in our own image, yes?
1: But you just said when we started a podcast that you couldn't guarantee that something wouldn't arise consciousness. So if something emerged as an emergent quality, it's entirely likely. But all the
0: other qualities we're endowing it with are human in nature,
1: right? Yeah, but how much of our – so our conscious experience is influenced by our intelligence but also by the fact that our body and our brains are flooded by a bunch of hormones that cloud our judgment. And Mm -hmm. that's part of what it is to be human and. Could you simulate that? And if you simulate it, could the robots just turn that simulation off? Like I, sure. I don't want to be too dismissive of it, but I'm, I'm, what, yeah, I'm yeah. what I'm getting at is like I that used to bother me, and I actually was thinking a lot about this this weekend before I saw this email, and I started thinking like, why am I really worried about this? Because I am all. I mean, I guess if you were a religious person, this would disquiet you more. And I don't know, maybe you are, uh Anton. Would it? Um but as a as a secular humanist, I feel like that once I die, that's it for my story. And mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, the universe's story. So sure. if I die or if the robots torture me to death, then sure, in the moment that's not a pleasant outcome, but like what is it I, I I don't know what it means. Like I guess in an abstract way I'd be sad at the loss of humanity's culture. And right. distinctiveness, and its vibrance, and its art, and it, and its literature, but that from the grave, what does that concern even mean? Like, sure. the universe surely yeah. doesn't give a shit and doesn't care. No, like, like I guess that's why it's so important for us humans to get our shit together and stop this ticky tacky petty shit. And realize that we are not individuals and nations. We are a globe that has our destiny in our hands and start acting like it. Mm -hmm. Because the universe doesn't care if we survive and all that stuff is maintained. Only we do. So we have to survive and grow and and, and, and adapt. And, you know, as long as we are continuing to be territorial and and whatnot about it, I I don't know. That seems like it's in defiance of our greater aspirations. I agree. All right. Uh, so now I'll- I have to kill you, though. You <laughs> have to become the music of that speech. I'm sorry. Good, good, because <laughs> I'm tired about caring about this shit. Nicole H., I had a few thoughts on the season. There's a lot of talk about robots being ready or not for consciousness, but what would their trajectory be if they were built and not ever wiped clean, if they were not on continual loops but lived a life with all their memories intact? Would this make them more conscious or less? If the robots end up living on the outside in future seasons, do they grow the robot army with more bots? And if so, how do they ensure these new bots have consciousness? You know, that's an interesting
0: question. How do they ensure
1: See, the way I see it pain. is them resetting the robots was a way to – it's the same way that um, the slave trade forbids slaves from learning to read and write as uh, a way to keep them under heel – uh and 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 squash any resistance before it could even start mm-hmm. them resetting the robots on these loops made their consciousness that the emergent consciousness that was inevitable it made it impossible for that that life to evolve so if you stopped doing okay. that, it would just happen much more fast it it'd be like it'd be like you asking how am I going to ensure that my child is conscious mm hmm barring some gross developmental mishap, they're just going to be because they have the same hardware and software that you do, and it's just going to run its course. Hmm. So I guess that's how I view it. I could be wrong, though. Okay. Like, the suffering. Like, I I don't know if Anthony Hopkins or Dr. Ford is right about the suffering. Well, they're going to get a healthy dose of that, (laughs) whether you reset them or not. Because, again, the universe doesn't give a shit. Right. Sometimes it's going to make it rain. Sometimes it's going to make it sunny. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm going to send a gamma burst of radiation toward your planet and eradicate all life. And
0: turn half of you into hulks.
1: <laughs> Who knows? Uh, Katie B., I want to present my contrarian take on the morality of Westworld. I think it's wildly hypocritical for Ford, Arnold, and associated other, assorted other park executives to be complaining about the hell the robots are in when it's a world of their own creation. Their attitude of marketing the park as a place where you can do anything and then being upset at the results of the guest actions strikes me as the equivalent of political leadership in Las Vegas, being upset about the increase in drunken loudish behavior after nonstop campaigns of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> uh for all the bemoaning of the drinking, killing, and mindless sex of Westworld it is a park uh, it is a park a first timer William was greeted with a stiff drink and a very willing Angela the veteran Logan grabs a young woman and man in his dressing room in his equipment session. If they dislike the needless violence and uh, pain, why recreate civil war battles where countless hosts would be killed. If you don't want to encourage black hat play, maybe Hector E and Armistice shouldn't be so incredibly hot and enticing. They can make the white hat teams (laughs) the cool ones. All right, let's, let's, let's stop there because I think this is the, the meat of the email. Okay. What is your, what's your, what's your take on this analysis? They
0: tried it and it didn't work. They, like, Ford clearly says that he tried to introduce a whole bunch of really positive, awesome narratives, and nobody cared. Nobody yeah. wanted to go there. That's part of why the park was failing. Like, they've tried that, and it's not its not for lack of trying, essentially, mm-hmm. that, that people are being so horrible in this park. Yeah. And if they continued to limit the experiences that you could have in this park, no one would go. Yeah. They've made that clear.
1: Now, I do think this is unnecessarily pessimistic, because when we play... Sure, well, so we sure. play We play a lot of the Telltale-style games, and we uh-huh. do it, you know, like we stream it, and it's something we do for the fans. Uh, and we, we, t- we always play, quote-unquote, bad guy X, where X is the protagonist, and we try to, yeah. within the realms of the, the rules of the game, make them to be the biggest dick and the most betrayed, the backstabbing, lyingest, because... It's funny to us. Uh, Mm -hmm. But what I've noticed is doing this, they give statistics at the end of the game, Mm -hmm. each episode, and it shows you percentage wise what players did what and what players did not. And like innocuous choices, like, did you choose to, you know, pick up a crowbar or a hoe? Mm -hmm. It's like 45, 55. But choose, like, if you choose to betray your best friend, or you choose to murder an innocent person, or you choose to betray someone those were usually in the 15 to 20 percentile right so it seems like the vast majority of people when given a chance to run through something do choose the white hat path at least from my experience yeah i mean i mean that is uh,
0: you know in as much as westworld is a video game a real life video game right i think those are those are relatable numbers
1: yeah. So I don't know that if you actually made a Westworld, the ma- vast majority of people would become black hats and just rape and pillage. And I I know that for a fact, some people would. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's the one missing piece of your analysis there is the fact that Ford even said that he had a bet with Arnold. And I think you were supposed to understand that, you know, he lost that bet. He lost that bet that like I think that people that the, this will unlock their 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 inner hero and they'll find that out about themselves. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem like it worked out that way. So and then at some point after Ford realized this, he threw his hands up in the air and then decided to start working for the robots. So uh, I think his morality tracks clean, it's just you have to understand that he didn't think this is what would happen. Yeah. And once he's so so you then he's in a situation, once he's aware the robots are being conscious, what is then then what's the morality? Do you're like, all right, pull the plug on this thing and or turn it over to the money men who's gonna keep these things lobotomized? And in slavery or in perpetuity, or do you, you know, do what you can in the 15, 20 years that you have left to put these beings in a position where they can succeed? If that means still having them living in these lives of bondage and misery, is the greater good served by giving them a chance at life after they get through this? Or is it better to just shut the whole thing down? And, And by shutting it down, essentially...
0: I mean, committing genocide.
1: That's yes. You're you're. It's I mean, not you're, even. You're allowing it to happen. It's, you're not actually committing it. It's but aborting. It's it's more it's like an abortion of a species. I
0: suppose. Yeah. Ford doesn't. Ford doesn't actually view them as conscious yet.
1: Yeah. Like say like that game about that gamma sure. burst. Like a star went supernova a couple right. light years away. Two hundred thousand years ago, and irradiated humanity before we even got started.
0: Right, right. So he's, you know, he's making that decision. Is it, yeah does does he want to see this through? And if seeing and seeing it through, unfortunately, means keeping the park in business yeah. and giving people what they want, which is apparently not the rosy
1: narratives that he came up with. And I think that's rational because if you ask people, how much pain are you going to go through to keep living? Mm-hmm. The only people that say I'm done, I've had enough, are like terminal cancer patients where. They have no good prognosis. It's whether they want to live weeks or months and how much agonizing pain they want to be in. Or if they have a terminal, you know, like Alzheimer's situation. If you told most people, you're going to go through unimaginable fucking pain, but you're going to have a rosy prognosis after that. You're going to make a full recovery. Most people are going to be like, I'll take the unimaginable unimaginable pain rather than death. Sure. So I think that, like, I don't even think that that's a bad call on Ford's part. I mean, I guess... Yeah, I suppose I don't. I guess you'd have to ask every robot in the park, hey, do you want to, like, hey, I want to make you conscious for a a moment. Would Um, you want to have be trapped in a (laughs) finite but very lengthy cycle of murder, death, and rape, so you can be conscious and happy potentially in the future, or do you want me to just unplug you now? Right, which you can't do until they are (laughs) conscious, so
0: at that point you can't unplug them ethically uh, or morally. So I... Yeah, I mean, obviously it's Ford's decision to make, and he makes the decision he makes, which is to keep the park open and push these things towards sentience or towards consciousness.
1: Uh, Vince from Conshohocken, Pennsylvania says, we see there are other worlds, or at least one other world, samurai or shogun world. My question is, where the fuck are they? Is there some type of multiverse where the worlds are stacked on top of each other and Westworld is at the tippy top? Um, I-, I don't know that it's clear yet. Right.
0: I mean, I, I think Shogun he, or Samurai World might be just a fledgling park that they're contemplating launching.
1: It's just going to be a spinoff. It'll we'll yeah. have its own physical space and all that. And yeah. he's, he goes on and has, like, you know, Samurai World has a shitty drop ceiling and Renaissance World having painted dry because, like, Westworld's the only one that can be on top, right? D- okay. Like, you know, have the real sky above you and all that. But Let's I, put some I'm with greens Screens you, above.
0: That make it look well, like a sky then you're going
1: into vr at least thing. truman
0: show them. come on
1: <laughs> but yeah I, I think this is a test this is a proof of concept that they will then yeah you know open up somewhere in the gobi desert or who knows uh abdul a from kuwait this is like a far this is like a, a truly global audience like yeah. i just i've just realized like holy shit people <laughs> from all over the world is writing in uh Dave Lang would say worldwide. Worldwide. I have a quick question. When William was on the train with Dolores, he mentions his fiance's name is Juliet. And then when the man in black was with Teddy and gives him a monologue about his life, he mentions Emily. I don't know if Emily was his wife's name, but it sure seemed like it. <laughs> um, just real quick, no. That's actually his daughter that disowned him after his wife died. So I think okay. he married Juliet and they gave birth to Emily. And I got – I think three people asked me this same question and you were the first. So since – you know, three people sending in. I imagine thirty are out there confused about it. So, okay. Uh, Mary says you've mentioned in several podcasts the inconsistency of de aging Hopkins and not doing the same thing with Ed Harris, and that you found bothersome. Mm-hmm. One possible reason to de age Hopkins using special effects is because it's a shortcut to tell the audience definitively who we're looking at. The character doesn't have a lengthy scene that would otherwise make it clear who he is. And they don't need or want to invest in extra dialogue or explanations. He's only on screen for seconds, and those seconds we need to understand that we're looking at Dr. Ford. Using different actors to play William and the Man in Black is the same approach used for most TV shows and movies that cast two people to play the same character at different ages. Um mm-hmm. and then we know the main difference there is that the showrunner's skirt the connection by not identifying the man in black by name specifically to keep right. his identity in question yeah, and it's so, but, but that
0: feels cheap in my opinion, like
1: agreed because like I get it you it's had, not consistent you need extra dialogue, but not that much dialogue, like literally sure, you know. Honestly, if they showed some actor that kind of looked Here's like wh- Anthony Hopkins in a sepia tone thing and he had a white lab coat that said Ford on it, right. I would I get can, it.
0: I can do it in one word. Ford.
1: Yeah. Hey, Ford. That's all you need. Yeah. That's literally uh, he clap- it. He claps his hand on Bernard or Arnold's shoulder and says yeah. Arnold, and he claps it, and, and they don't look anything like they – yeah. Yeah. Especially since another thing is it, – it's not just that now that we know that Bernard is Arnold – you've got yet another explanation for why people look exactly the same. Yeah, it just, I it, mean, it I, I hear like what you're, you're tricking saying.
0: Your audience and, and you know, whether it was worthwhile or not, I guess is subjective, but
1: yeah, that's the thing, know. Mary. It's like, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying like subjectively it felt a little, it was one of, it's honestly one of the reasons I was so rejecting the theory. Cause I'm like, I don't see how they can use, abuse the language of cinema that way and not have it come out to be cheap. Now I've seen the whole thing and I don't, I no longer would consider it cheap. Hmm. Um, but I do think it was deceptive and tricky, and I'm not normally on board with that kind of stuff. Uh, Carl, in your last podcast, you said something that made me understand one of the issues you guys had with the cgi of young Ford versus Jimmy Simpson as the young William. You were discussing how this entire season was from the perspective of Dolores. Well, Dolores would have always known Dr. Ford to be who he is. However, with William being white from her memory and her reset, she would not have recognized him. She would have seen William as a completely different person from the man in black. So having the actor for one and CGI for the other would actually be the better way to tell the story through the lens of Dolores. And that's, I think, why I've given it a pass, because if you don't buy that, a lot of this stuff was done as a way to put you in Dolores's point of view. Mm -hmm. Then you become like a lot of the critics that I saw just just pissing and moaning about this.
0: Yeah, I guess that's fair.
1: Because you either buy that conceit or not, and if you buy it, then you'll, you're ready to excuse some tricks of the trade to make to put you in that position. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, the illusion is shattered immediately.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, there are obviously multiple perspectives, right? It's not just Dolores. Right. So I would argue that the man in black has very much his own perspective right. throughout the show.
1: Jill G., I can't get past the idea that Robert Ford put faith in Felix and Sylvester. He had scripted out every aspect of his plan down to Maeve's dialogue and escape when she became sentient. But how could he leave Felix and Sylvester's reaction and interaction to, uh, to her to chance? Mm. Maybe he was observing Felix and Sylvester and was programming Maeve's dialogue and response. It just seems to me that it would have been much easier to replace Felix and Sylvester with robots and be able to program them as well.
0: All right, is she sug- suggesting that they are, in fact, hosts?
1: I mean... I, I just I forgot we're not doing. uh, I I I just did the robot and nobody could see it, but Jim. Uh Uh, I first of all, yeah, that's always on the table. Second of all, you gotta ask yourself whether Maeve herself was special. I mean, I know that there was a lot of you know we got to see her backstory and we know that she had kind of rebelled at some point and you know whatnot, Um, but. Who knows how many robots in the park has that kind of story where they have been on the verge of awakening because of whatever reason and got shut down like Maeve. So I guess if I were Dr. Ford, I would call up a list of all the robots who have had, you know, experience breaks in their storyline or whatever they called the them piercing the veil of the simulation and I'd cross-reference that to any robot, any of the technicians working on them that had, let's say, avenues that they could exploit. Because it's clear to me that you could find out this information if you just cared to look. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so you cross-reference that, and you come up with a list of people, and then I mean, you and you still cross your fingers. You Cross your I fingers, guess. but you also and monitor- you trust in Mave. You trust in Maeve, you you, bu- you bump up for some of her attributes mm-hmm. and you give her a mission to infiltrate and coerce and you give her all the tools she needs and you trust your work. And well and you right. also and verify. I'm sure he was keeping a close eye on all this stuff too. Also nothing there's nothing uh, ruling out the fact that there might have been a few bots, not just one that was programmed with this mission. So
0: Huh, okay.
1: Because really, what's the difference between one or three getting out of the park? For his sure. purposes,
0: yeah, I don't know. And all of this is we're we're waving our hands at problems that probably exist, probably in the plot. But uh, overall, it was strong enough to carry even what I feel was one of the weaker plot devices, which is Sylvester going along with this whole thing till the very end.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I again, there is no doubt some. There's no doubt a lot of swallowing that has to go on in this show, and I'm not just talking about at the Mariposa Inn. I'm talking about uh, the munitions and the nature of how the markets works and the economics of uh, two people financing this massive undertaking without any outside bankers. Like, There's a whole lot of stuff that you have to just swallow uh, to, to enjoy the rest of the show, and I understand that people can't.
0: Yeah, and you know when we talk about them on the show, a lot of the time it's not because we refuse to believe them. It's yeah. more like, you know, people are going to be talking about this stuff, right? And, and we also need to question uh, a lot of the same things that they want to talk about. So,
1: have you ever questioned the nature of Your reality? Westworld's reality? <laughs> Constantly. Garrett S. says, Why did Ford have Bernard kill Teresa? Now that we understand that Ford wasn't plotting against uh, the robots all along, what was the value to have him for him to have Teresa killed? She would have shut it down. Was it just a plot device used by the writers? For them, it did two purposes, making Bernard reveal much more dramatic and making Ford seem extremely sinister, which made his final reveal more of a twist. But I can't figure out how it fits into the story. She was nothing more powerful than a pawn for Charlotte, and Teresa's death did nothing to slow down the board takeover. So I ask again: Why did Ford need to feel feel the need to have Bernard murder Teresa?
0: I she was on the verge of shutting down the whole operation. I mean, if they can prove that he's, <laughs> if they can prove what Ford is up to here, I think they shut it down. Well, not like that, does. but
1: you assert that it didn't delay. I don't think that's true if she successfully got the woodcutter's data off they might have advanced their plan by a week or and and this thing came down to very very fine timing in the end so and and i don't
0: even know that this this whole battle is over i mean we talked about you know the future of the park and what's going to happen with it well we'll if the border all dead and robots it's over Well, here's my point, though. If they get this information out of the park, Uh, then it is over. Well, yeah. Because then they don't need Ford anymore. Yeah. Mission accomplished. And so he's actively fighting against that. Teresa had the mechanism to get it out of the park or to at least alert the board to what he's doing to oust him and shut him down. I I think it was well within the plan to kill Hmm. Teresa and within the plot.
1: Maybe we're going about this from the wrong direction. Maybe... It will be widespread knowledge that there is a massacre at Westworld, which will shut it down permanently. And then Bernard will be able to oversee what happens, because everyone thinks he's a human, will be able to oversee what happens to the robots. And hmm. what's say he says he's decommissioning them all, but like Schindler List style, he's shuffling them out to the real world.
0: Is it possible that all these robots are just, you know, lobotomized or exterminated or whatever, and that Bernard has to start again next season?
1: Possible. I just can't imagine if something on this scale, like where all the entire board and all r- humans inside Westworld were massacred in one moment, that they would ever right open it up again.
0: It seems iffy,
1: right? Unless it's swept under the rug yet again. I mean, which apparently it was. Just the first imagine, time. like if at Kings Island, every one uh-huh. of the roller coasters simultaneously malfunctioned, and killed every rider. Like that would put a pretty big pall over the inter- the, the industry.
0: I mean. If if Mickey Mouse animatronics had come alive and killed Walt Disney, we would certainly know about it, and it would sure. certainly be a problem for that park. Sure, uh, that happened in uh-huh. Westworld, right? And nobody batted an eye at brushing but the under thing, the rug. That's the thing in the
1: kinks, but like if if this happened in early days before the the thing was open to the public and that stuff that they felt like they had figured out, and then they had thirty five years of, of a blemish free existence, sure. But then if Mickey Mouse came alive on Main Street and slaughtered everyone there to watch the Main Street Parade, you uh-huh. would – yeah. I, 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 like I said, I don't know why we're not considering the fact that they just shut down this park, but that the, no one on the outside world understands how many people are robots. And, like, you know, if, right. if Bernard – he's the second command if he's put in charge of dispensing these things. And that the
0: park is the Petri dish, but then right. one of the organisms
1: gets out. Yeah, and Bernard would have that power. And the Petri dish is –
0: is burned up it's incinerated and it's gone and now it does we feel just like have are the teasing
1: in. it does feel like they're not going to go that way because they're teasing samurai world why would they sure. ha- have a whole other world to explore if that's all going to be shut down it could just be a tease it also could flash for like next i mean it could blow our minds like next year could flash forward 100 years yeah <laughs> and uh-huh. Nat, like you know they've they've all the problems in the park have been put behind us and ret retcon- and like you know we have a mythology around Bernard and Elsie and who knows like who the hell knows what these people are capable of sure
0: it'll be interesting
1: Uh, Steve, one of the Westworld scenes that have been discussed on the podcast regularly is about Felix and Sylvester's robot pimping empire. I know there's been some talk about why this seemed ridiculous, but I want to share some thoughts about how this is perfectly in line with some behaviors I've personally seen and why this could be perfectly normal given their situations in life. First, I think company culture plays a major role. The park is built on sex from the British fembots that welcome you to the nearest and furthest orgy-filled corners of the park. Now... All of these bots have to be cleaned by people like Felix. Doubtlessly, that includes Hector after his adventures with Charlotte. A sexually permissive workplace is also shown by there being no consequences for the head of creative whipping out his dick and pissing all over the command center. Mm -hmm. If the leadership and management are banging away at the host and being extremely sexually (laughs) permissive, it's really easy to see the attitude rolling down the chain of command.
0: Yeah, and even, you know, people turning turning their eyes away from it, averting their, their gaze from... The things that are going on, because they're also participating in them. Right. Uh, next, we should... You think con- Ford fucks hosts?
1: Maybe in his youth. <laughs> okay. Okay. Surely at his age, he's thrown off the Mad Master. I mean, why would you take Viagra just to fuck a robot? Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Next, we should consider how class works on robot pimping. It's shown that we have not reached a Star Trek level of abundance in this show, as Felix really needs his job, and he can't afford entry into the park. My best theory is that due to the high level of automation in the future, there is a form of job quotas where certain numbers of types of jobs must be performed by live, natural human beings. That's one way to do it. Uh, We're also shown hierarchies with living quarters, Teresa and Bernard having nice ones, and Elsie wanting a level two upgrade. Mm -hmm. For our friends Felix and Sylvester being at the bottom, they have very little money, poor opportunities for an office romance, and are likely living in something similar to sleeping racks in in the Navy to a college dorm room. Uh, Finally, situational sexual, sexual behavior plays an important part. For example, in the Navy, as I mentioned, enlisted people sleep in racks of bunks up to five high with privacy curtains. Mm -hmm. There's a culture of not opening the curtains when someone is behind them, as at any given time, 10% of the people are jacking off in these bunks. Mm -hmm. In my college dorm room, it was two bedrooms, one kitchen, and three guys to a room. And 30%. (laughs) (laughs) At the start of the semester... (laughs) Three percent Sure, at the start of the semester, we started off very discreet. By the end of the semester, someone would be under the blankets going to town while I was getting ready... Uh, As long as no one mentioned it, the spell was unbroken and we could all get on with our business. I find it perfectly believable that in a remote area where the park is located, a group of guys who have had no money would make available and made available all the world's most advanced sex robots. Uh, They would make this available to others who are also isolated and have poor prospects of an office romance. I
0: feel like, you know, companies like Google and whatnot, Apple and the big tech companies all provide you with, like, Master class, class chefs cooking meals for you, mm-hmm. and all these great amenities, gyms and whatnot. They would have a Jackatorium, right, where they just have a couple of hosts set up, take your pick, get your groove on, and then get back to work.
1: I mean, maybe that's what the hollow tanks are supposed to be, but otherwise, yeah, it just doesn't yeah. seem like there's enough hosts. You're right. Why don't they just manufacture a couple of like free use yeah. hosts?
0: Well, then that keeps your employees from jacking on your yeah, product.
1: it seems like it.
0: It seems like it. I would think so. But clearly they don't have that system in place. And even
1: McDonald's if they like, do, even the employees not taking advantage. Like, if you work at McDonald's, you, essentially your meals are free. Mm-hmm. So, like, why wouldn't... Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He's he's building a
1: case that... Free sex box for Felix is what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> right. I, I would certainly institute that policy. But he's building a case that Essentially, it wouldn't really be frowned upon that these right. people are jacking off on hosts. And yeah, fucking like them, I, I, fucking was, the I was taking a white
1: collar mindset into this, and and not lived in a college dorm, nor served aboard a Navy destroyer. I didn't consider the fact that where privacy and is at a premium, and you know hormones are at a high. That like it's not all like rows on rows of cubicles with people working on computers. Like, so then you would they can think, go home to their private domiciles.
0: Right, but if that's the case, wouldn't you think that, you know, Maeve's threats would be a little less threatening? <laughs> Like, I'm going to tell your superiors about the yeah, jackatorium right. it's you set like up in the too, basement.
1: Like you're right. Who this... cares? My superiors are fucking the robots too, lady. Yeah, it's like someone trying to blow the whistle on people jacking off in the Navy. Right. Like... Every,
0: you go to your, your CO and you say, uh, my buddy was jacking off in his bunk. He says, yeah, no fucking shit.
1: Get back to work. Yeah, in the old days, they'd be fucking the ship's cow. So now going right. back to swabbing the decks, matey. Uh, that's how they talk in the Navy still, right? Yeah. <laughs> It is. <laughs> but I read too much Patrick O'Brien. What can I say? <laughs> right. But
0: I mean, that's that's. A, yeah, it's I, it's I don't a double. Know why st- it would be a big. It's, threat. it's a double yeah.
1: standard. Like if 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 the world works as if as he li- outlines it, which I think is probably a good take on it, then you wouldn't have Maeve been able to blackmail him. So they right. need it to work like it's a sexually repressive white collar job, right? to make the the script the script work which is not a great satisfying answer but unless he's saying like
0: this magic spell that he's talking about that won't be broken unless you mention it oh. is in fact that and like right if you go to the it's co a, oh well ask, now it's been broached and off. now we have to do yeah. something about
1: it yeah and again, this is all through the lens which I of, don't buy because
0: Charlotte's fucking robots in the open, like, it, yeah. hey, I'm
1: fucking Hector Teresa. That's what that's what his point is like you've got this from this attitude on top, it's gonna go, it's gonna trickle down, yeah. So, and also I'm I'm saying this with the conceit that these robots are just robots and they're not seen as alive. I mean, obviously, oh, the fact course, that they're yeah. just the technicians are having sex with them willy nilly is horrifying if you think about them being conscious. So, Absolutely, I want to ward that off. I'm thinking but, of yeah. them
0: like real dolls, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, which may or may not be fair.
1: Well, yeah, clearly in the case of like Maeve and Dolores, it's yeah. not. You know, Clementine. Who knows?
0: Who knows? She's and been lobotomized. She's been. Yeah, I think she's. That's not great. That's not, I don't think I could fuck a robot that I know is. Yeah, been lobotomized.
1: Because the 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 uh, the corollary to that is any vegetable, any human in a vegetative state is fair game. Right. Which that's yeah. not cool. I don't think I could go through with that. All right. Automate B. I think this is the final email, uh, which is uh, – this is the final final hurrah for Westworld Season 1. Mm-hmm. In studying for my finals, I came across something small but fun. Do you think the Elsie's name is in any way a connection to the LC Research Program associated with the he- Human Genome Project? Hmm. LC stands for Ethical, Legal, and Societal Implications, which is basically an initiative to make sure the Human Genome Project was conducted responsibly and ethically and with consideration for its effects on society. Precisely the opposite of the way Westworld was conceived, apparently. Right. I thought that Elsie's name might be a fun nod to that research program because it seems like, before her untimely death, assuming she's dead, she was one of the few people trying to pick apart the darker things going on within the park. Once again, interesting. I, I would know. not put it past Nolan and Joy because they seem very well-read and very curious individuals about this kind of future tech. Uh-huh. So Elsie is such a weird, old-timey cow on a dairy logo kind of name that that would make a lot of sense they should they should have named her Lessie, Lessie because
0: it's an anagram for lc oh there you go there you go that would there have been more clever
1: <laughs> we had a emailer emailed in his name was uh gary gray and i almost made a joke about him his yeah. first and last name being anagram for each other <laughs> and and raggy and uh uh-huh. but yeah didn't didn't work so there you go. That is, our, that is our coverage of Westworld Season 1. It's in the books, as they say. Yeah. Uh, you can send this email to Westworld at westworld.baldmove.com if you'd like to uh, clarify some things, but it won't be read on the podcast. Maybe the better bet would be uh, to stick around to forums and see if you can get an answer there, forums.baldmove.com. Regardless, uh, we will certainly be back for Season 2 whenever mm-hmm. that thing comes. Also, uh, as is our want to be on the lookout for our podcast a week or two before uh, the, fi- the 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 uh, new series comes back because we like to have a preview podcast where we kind of dust off the uh, the old memory banks and get uh, na there'll be tons of interviews and tons of previews and tons of casting news oh, yeah. to discuss. This show is going to get a spotlight next year.
0: Will it from the media? Oh yeah. I mean it didn't it didn't have a huge spotlight
1: I mean, coming definitely into the season 1. People were one. talking about it, but it wasn't right. like on variety. It's going to be on variety. It's going to be yeah. on Entertainment Weekly. It's going to be everywhere. Yep. So, I mean it's the biggest thing since since Game of Thrones. And I think I saw an interview saying it's actually bigger than season right. 1 of of Game of Thrones. Yeah. So exciting. Uh, sure. but as as we mentioned in uh, before the feedback uh there's a lot of stuff we got coming up uh you don't have to say goodbye to bald move if you don't want to uh we got better call Saul coming up this uh late winter we got the walking dead returning the leftovers comes back in the spring mm-hmm. uh imme- and it sounds like it's immediately going to dovetail in the game of thrones and we'll also be covering going back and doing a retrospective rewatch before the season of Game of Thrones for season two. Right. Uh, we also will be doing, as you said, the the final season of House of Cards. I hope
0: so. They've said it is. Who it's... knows,
1: though? We always <laughs> think it's
0: the final season of that show. Whether
1: it's their final season or our final season, <laughs> who's to say? Okay. And there might be some surprises in there. I know that there's a Star new Star Trek series that we got our eyes on. June, waiting yep. Waiting in the works if it doesn't get shoved back. Lots of stuff in 2017 that's exciting uh, for, for Bald Move. I hope you guys follow along with us. And the best way to do that, uh, either check on baldmove. dot com. You can actually subscribe to what we call our fire hose, fire hose feed, where we have all of our podcasts in one feed. So anything that we do, you get. Also, you can subscribe to us on social media, Facebook and Twitter, at baldmove and slash baldmove, respectively. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, all we're right, putting, putting this thing in cold storage. We're escorting. We're shoving yeah. a, shoving a drill bit up its nose and and walking it down. And we're going to leave it there for about eighteen months. Mm-hmm. Till then, we'll see ya